kill you. Yeah, what's wrong with the beer we got? Ladies and gentlemen, um, and welcome to another edition of Auntie Nanny. Uh, with me this evening is the fabulous and vivacious Miss Jeannie Kay. How are you this evening, Miss Jeannie? Freezing my ass off. I, I probably should have said in chilly. Yeah, it doesn't feel like spring up north at all, does it? Yeah, no, I mean, I am telling you, my electric, and if you lose me on the call, I'll be back in about 60 seconds the okay, length okay. of time it takes my router and my computer to reboot after the electric blips it's that windy the electric has been blipping all day that's just crazy that yeah. is crazy so yeah um well you'll you'll yeah. know for you'll know for when you move to the new place to have a power conditioner that'll stop blips uh well my generators are all going with me yeah good for you yeah, none of them are staying here. No, none of them. Yeah, no, no, no. They all... But yeah, adding a UPS conditioner. Yeah, even even if you get ripples and outages. I've had three, and they weren't worth what they cost me. Um, yeah, I you have to you, you have to buy really really good ones, <laughs> and they ain't cheap. Yeah, the one I had down to the down to the graphics shop was uh, about eight hundred dollars, and um, when That's the battery started one. going in that, I said, "No, I'm not replacing this. It's 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 not proved useful. Eight hundred dollars worth. Fuck it." Yeah, the 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 big the big big ones are the ones you want. The ones meant for um, server farms. Well, they I am not buying though. one. I am not buying one that I could run a car on. <laughs> but that's that's really what you need to have inter uninterrupted power. Big no. big old lead acid battery packs, not little lithium ones. Okay, so um, and also with me is Very, who is probably the only person who really understands everything behind this, so you can understand exactly why he's my producer, and he is the best producer money can't buy. I know nothing. I'm still not paying you. <laughs> yeah, you know nothing. Yeah. yeah, me either. I know nothing either. <laughs> <laughs> so um, it looks like the Apple versus FBI issue might be kind of solved, but <laughs> either way, it's either way, it's not going to really work out in your favor because they've got a third party trying to break the encryption. 
And once this third party breaks it, I mean, it's game over, right? They're going to know exactly how to breach your phone's encryption, which I'm not in love with that. That bothers me quite a lot. Um, Gary, what's going on with the Snoopers Charter? I know what I had from oh, last God. week's show notes, and then all of a sudden I see that like Facebook and Twitter and, and everybody else is pissed off with Theresa May. Yeah. She, yeah, again, it's it's another case of there's, there's been some more terrorist action. So she's using this to try and push it through. Uh, they're doing the old legislation trick as well of trying to bolt it on to other bills. So it goes through <laughs> with less opposition. What, uh, she's not having it easy, Washington though. What today? What? What happened in Washington, D.C. today? Shit, I don't know. I, I came home and I did a bunch of stuff and I, I, I hate to admit it, I took a nap. That's what insomniacs do. They sleep when they can. Yes. Um, so what, what, what do you hear? I, I have no idea. My kid said, Mom, what, what happened? What was the terrorist thing in Washington, D.C. today? And I'm like, Police shoot armed they, man at the Capitol, Capitol out... building, apparently. Oh. oh. I was going to say, they didn't, they didn't take out the Capitol. They didn't have a... Uh... Yeah, I... A female I have, bystander I... suffered minor injuries when police fired at the suspect. Well, I was going to say, I, they I didn't have a with... mockingjay moment, I guess. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think they ought to stop using the word terrorist for everything. Really, I think they do. I think it. I think the word terrorist causes more problems than it's worth. Just you know, find some really derogatory thing like you know the stupid crackhead or you know <laughs> this loony bins or you know. And I mean, and I don't mean to offend anybody because I'm not. You know, um, I'm 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 a bit loony bins anyway. But I mean, ter- the the to be labeled as a terrorist is like this badge of honor for him so stop giving them that start calling them crackpots or something anything just stop calling everything a terrorist threat well apparently u.s media identified the suspect as 66 year old larry dawson of tennessee in october he was arrested for interrupting a correctional session yelling prophet of god so he had another bash at um Oh. You know, yeah. Okay. That's uh, fantastic. So, um, go ahead. And, and the whole thing with the show notes, I don't know what update that was in Google Docs, but that's fucking awesome. You like it? I like yeah, it. It's, it's, it's pretty cool. I do like how it brings out the uh, where you actually have an outline where you can just go <laughs> and just... Instead of having to scroll through the whole story, oh, oh, the Tay AI chatbot. <laughs> <laughs> they put her on read write. That was not a good idea. No. We're gonna build a wall and we're gonna make Mexico pay for it. I'm like, oh my god. Yep, it picked oh, yeah, up. It picked up like... on all the Twitter shite. Yeah. Oh, yeah, god. but then, but then, um, it turned into Hitler and was. Threat. Yeah, it was that chatbot went insane. Yeah, this it is did. what happens when you have society overload. So all of the Amish on that are off on that. What is what is that thing they go on Yom Kippur or what the fuck do they call that? Yeah. Oh that's yeah, that, I know what well, you mean. The that's thing not number sixteen. Yeah. Um, no, it's um, something. Oh crap! Now I'm gonna have to look it up. God damn it, Jeannie! You're the one who lives in Amish land. 
I live down here in the waiting room with the dead. And, you know, I don't ask you to come up with, you know, elderly terms for death. Jesus Christ. Um, oh, my God, that's hysterically funny. I'm going to have to tell my dad that next time I talk to him. <laughs> oh, God. Um, Florida, a.k.a. the waiting room of the dead. That's freaking hysterical. It's true. Uh, or, hang on. Um, it's... But yeah, the, the, the purple. Does that make Washington, D.C. the waiting room of the evil dead? Springer? Uh, yes. Washington is the land of the living dead. They're no, all vampires no, sucking the life out of everybody. Washington is actually the capital of the Hunger Games. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, that's that's more aptly put. Yeah. 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 So we should start calling you Katniss then. I don't think you should call me Katniss at all. I don't think I'm Katniss at all. I think very do. <laughs> okay, so anybody that ever says this show isn't funny obviously doesn't listen to the beginning. <laughs> yeah, we, we haven't, we really haven't gone in and looked at the notes, and it's probably good because I, I have a feeling that uh, there's at least a couple things in here that um, Jeannie didn't like. Um, but there was a couple things in here I did like, not that I actually liked, but I thought was really fucking funny. Uh, I I find some of it terrifying, actually. The um the nuclear silos, that that I kind of find funny. That's <laughs> one of the ones that I kind of find funny, Jan. I gotta tell you, well, <laughs> the last people you want to have having any sort of drug issues, right, are the people who work in your nuclear silos, right? Well, yeah. Maybe they need the cocaine for all the running up and down the stairs. You <laughs> never know. You never know, Jan. Yeah, uh, oh, it, it'll never be said officially, but there were there've been getting given drugs by the government since they built the damn things. We want you to do these 12-hour shifts, and you must be fully alert at all times. Here, have some amphetamines. Well, <laughs> and, then, you know. and then, who'd have thought there might be a few problems with that? I mean, they can't launch them. They could, they could accidentally detonate them in their silos and whatever, but they couldn't launch them. So. Doesn't anybody remember that, that special that John... Not John Stewart. Who's the guy who does um, the show every week? Um, this week, last night, or whatever. Used to be on John Stewart's show, his cable show. Um, well, he he actually did a special, well, a whole show about the problems with like the nuclear silos and and the launch codes, and it's actually fucking terrifying. The people that don't have their finger on the trigger because those people alone are, are really terrifying. It's not just that it's Obama. It's if yeah, Obama the... dies, then it's Uncle Joe Biden who's got his finger on the what, fucking launch code. What gets, what always makes me laugh about them is the missiles. They keep updating the missiles and the guidance systems. That's fine. They never update the actual silos. So <laughs> I mean, you have got, all these things based on 40s technology. With... Yeah. Oh, yeah. And they've got doors that are propped up. They have the big, giant, floppy disks from, like, the, the 60s and the 70s, the first yep. ones that computers ran on. That's what you have stopping your nuclear weapons from just launching themselves. That's if it's one of and, the newer silos. If it's one of the older ones, it might still be on tape drives. Oh, good God. Yeah, well, we don't want to spend money on infrastructure 
but we do want to spend money on stupid pork barrel bills that mean absolutely nothing and do absolutely nothing for work. Well, see, the problem is they've got so many silos, it'd cost hundreds of billions to update them all. And you decommissioning know, they, them doesn't work because, well, they've had all that radioactive material sitting in them for decades. So you can't just close it down and leave it. And people have built houses in them. And some of the houses that have been built in these old missile silos are really fucking cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, not, not saying that I don't think that a, a doomsday castle is a good idea. <laughs> I just don't think you want to live in some place that's contained, you know, nuclear weapons for a while um that's okay apparently silic bang is very good for clearing up and the rest of our infrastructure i can't imagine that that's any better (laughs) but yes uh dunray nuclear decommissioned nuclear reactor in the north of scotland they they're like 40 years decommissioning plan Uh, one of the things they're cleaning the metal the stainless steel with silicon bang. Really good at getting those nuclear particles off metal, apparently. Household okay. cleaning product. <laughs> That's freaking frightening. But um, anyway, I guess I'll read this piece to you since we've joked enough about it. 14 at nuclear base probe for illegal drug activity. 14 members of an Air Force unit responsible for guarding nuclear missiles in Wyoming, Colorado, and Nebraska are under investigation for possible illegal drug activity, including cases involving cocaine use, defense officials said Friday. The probe is a fresh blow to a nuclear missile corpse that has been under intense scrutiny in recent years for a string of lapses in training and personal conduct, first revealed by the Associated Press. The Air Force has said repeatedly over the last year that it is making significant changes aimed at lifting morale and improving performance. The investigation in F.E. Warren Air Force Base, home of the 90th Missile Wing near Cheyenne, Wyoming, was announced by General Robin Rand, four-star commander of Air Force Global Strike Command. The command is responsible for the entire fleet of 450 Minuteman three nuclear missiles that stand in underground launch silos, one-third of them operated by the 90th Missile Wing. The missile force is on alert 24 hours a day, year-round, requiring strict adherence to performance standards by the men and women who operate, maintain, and protect them. Rand, speaking by telephone from his headquarters at Barksdale Air Force Base in Louisiana, said the 14 airmen under investigation range in rank from Airman First Class to Senior Airmen and are members of the security group at F.E. Warren that are responsible for securing the missile fields and conveys that move the nuclear weapons. Rand said the 14 are accused of off-duty drug activity, which he refused to further define. He said the allegations were credible. This is very important to me that we get to the bottom of this, Rand said, adding that he is confident that the vast majority of airmen at the Nuclear Missile Corps comply with Air Force standards of personal conduct. We have a special trust with our nation, with our public, with the mission that we do at Air Force Global Strike Command. Security at F.E. Warren, known as the 90th Security Focus Group, includes about 1,300 airmen, Rand said, of which nearly 1,000 are junior enlisted members of the ranks similar to the 14 under investigation. Um, the investigation was started after a member of the security forces alerted his superiors of suspicion of drug activity by another airman. Rand said, adding that the commander of the 90th Missile Wing, Colonel Stephen Craversty, informed him Tuesday that the investigation was underway. It's not clear when it began. Uh, they removed the 14 of them of duty. Um, officials discussed details that were not authorized to release publicly, so spoke on conditions of anonymity. 
The allegations do not involve officers who control the Minuteman missiles, officials said. Security forces at nuclear missile bases are entrusted to patrol the marine fields, the missile fields, and respond to any security emergencies. Um, so it doesn't really tell you what they did or what they might have done, but um, John Oliver, that's the one who did the thing about uh, the nuclear missiles. Um, those people are fucking scary. Yeah, and, and you people, notice... You notice they're just using normal junior enlisted troops. Yeah. It's not a special corps. They haven't no. received specialist training. Just, yeah. oh, you've completed basic training. Go guard the nuclear site. It's like, mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. Not a great idea. So it's guys that you've G'd up, making them ready for war, and then you stick them in the middle of Ohio or whatever. <laughs> With yeah. nothing to do um, off duty. <laughs> yeah. And then no, you wonder why I, you have I, issues. Well, I mean, it's kind of terrifying. It's like you're taking anybody and saying, this is grandma. Grandma can't walk anymore. Um, but you need to watch her and keep an eye on her. And you've got, I don't know, you've got Wayne and Garth in yeah. charge of grandma. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's kind of frightening. Jeannie, you thought this was funny? All I could picture was a bunch of guys in the United States Air Force hopped up on cocaine, running up and down all the flights of stairs in a missile silo, Jim. I got I to gotta be honest. I mean, I was picturing Speedy Gonzalez in Air Force Blues. Oh, and when they're out, wa like, when they're out mean, walking the perimeter, when they're out walking the perimeter, getting bored and shooting at road signs. Jesus Christ. <laughs> hey, that's what people with guns do when they're bored. I know. So that's true. Um, I know it's terrible that I found humor in that, but I mean, it's, I, I don't know. I mean, it's, the military um, is not as strict as it used to be. Um, no. Yeah, it's it's not it, at all. Yeah. When well, when our oldest daughter uh, went to basic training and stuff and we went down, we were like, what the fuck is this? And... <laughs> And now it's it's even more lax now because uh, one of our youngest daughters, uh, previous boyfriends is is in the army now, in the army now, um, and and all I listened to the stories he's telling and what was the what was the movie with with um, Bill, the Ghostbuster guy, um, Bill Stripes. Murray. Yeah, that that movie. What was that movie again, Barry? Stripes. Stripes. Yeah. Um, well, you know the shenanigans that went on after they got out of. Well, that that's the impression that I get of it now, and and I mean, and this kid just went and and went to jump school and everything, but yeah, it's not now like it used to be. Um, we have sissified everything right down to our military, and it it well, almost reassuring. Well, it almost terrifies me that these guys are getting shipped off to armed excursions now, and they're they're used to having somebody pat their fucking back, and and I worry for their safety. Yeah, yeah. Um, basic training now. I've heard they no longer do live fire training. Yeah, they shoot live bullets, but you know when they're doing the assault courses and stuff like that, 
In the old days, they used to have guys with heavy machine guns shooting over the top of them to make sure they, they didn't stick their guard. head up. They <laughs> have stress now. Yeah. And yeah, what? the missile, the the Minuteman Corps. Jan, you didn't yeah. know that. What? Yeah, if somebody if somebody's putting you under too much stress, or if they're in their face yelling and whatever, you can hold up your little stress card and. Fuck that! You don't belong in the military then. No, that's kind of my thoughts. I mean, I'm sorry. I just I come from an old school family. I guess it's you're not willing to be built up one way, you know, torn down one way, built up another way really don't belong in the military and if you have personal space issues and if you feel like there's trigger warnings you probably don't belong in the fucking military because they're teaching you to kill people motherfucker sorry yeah well mm -hmm. luck luckily the, the uk military they they still beast new people um <laughs> but that's basically because we shrank our military we now, now no longer have hardly any military so they install maintain the old-fashioned standards um, although we're like the american military we're now getting kind of top heavy because you always get promoted you hardly ever get demoted so yeah you end up with shitloads of generals and less lower ranks that's well, even in this I mean, story i notice it used yeah. to be run by a three-star general now it's run by a four-star general it's like what <laughs> Why? It's the same job. Yeah, why does a, a four-star general run this? There's just more of them now. I was going to say, the Minutemen, when they were first set up and right through mm -hmm. the 70s, right. they used to use seasoned troops because you wanted mm -hmm. people you knew were reliable. Right. Yeah, that's gone out the window then. <laughs> I am flabbergasted. I am. I mean, I'm, I'm not really because, I mean, I've said it before, most of the people, most of the boys and girls that we send into war zones, um, well, we know now that they're not completely prepared because they have trigger warning problems. Which, thanks, Jeannie, I didn't know that before, but that's fucking frightening. Um, Sorry, Jeannie. That's okay. No, it's okay. I needed my illusions wiped from me, I guess. Um, it's just not what it was but it, it's also this is what happens when you have like perpetual war which we have I mean, we're actually involved in I think what is it 12 or 13 conflicts around the world right now well I'll, I'll I tell lost you, track I'll tell you a good one <laughs> right yes towards the end of the Iraq war the second one okay. you know um, <laughs> the US forces were having trouble in certain areas of Baghdad the British forces had already dealt with the city they were in. So the Americans asked the British to send support. So they did. We sent Marine, our Marines, who, yeah, the stories that came back afterwards were quite funny. It was like, well, the American trips, there'd be a report of hostiles in a building, and they'd go in, but they wouldn't go in the building. They'd wait, they'd call for an airstrike. In the meantime... The guys in the building would bugger off because they know there's about to be an airstrike. And this is why they're having so many problems. Because the guys with the guns kept moving from building to building. So you kept having to find where they are, surround them, call in an airstrike. So what did the Royal Marines do? The Royal Marines drove warrior armoured vehicles through the sides of buildings, released the troops, 
shot the guys with the guns, moved on. <laughs> I mean, isn't isn't that the most expedient way to deal with it? If you've got enemy insurgency, isn't the quickest way to deal with that to send people in? Yeah. I mean, not your. Why would you? Why airstrikes? That's just understand. a dumb thing these days. <laughs> the the British troops know. aren't supposed to do the direct confrontation thing either, but our Marines are insane. So. Um, <laughs> So it's like, we'll just crush our armoured vehicle through the building. So, um, so this is what I don't get. We're not supposed to do, like, armed confrontation anymore, right? With the enemy? How do you think Basically, they seem to train them now to try and hold the enemy in position until we can nuke them from orbit kind of thing. Bomb the shit out of them. Yeah. Well, you know, the problem with that... Uh, never mind. That's why they have so much trouble. It's the the British troops, because of our history with Northern Ireland and various other things, are used to this direct confrontation, building to building fighting, all that kind of stuff. The much larger American military, they do have troops that are trained for that, but not all troops are trained for that. Therefore, yeah, you get this situation where they, they want to sit back and wait for support when you know, that's not the best thing to do. You know, I mean, here's the thing. The expedient way is really the best way. And yes, you have people that don't know what they're doing, but the same could be said in World War II. Yeah. My, my grandfather walked up Omaha Beach and everybody on his boat died but him. And he just walked through this clusterfuck like he was chosen by God basically everybody he ever knew died and you know in those days you just you walked up the beach and if you were lucky enough to find a a bunch of troops you just kind of joined them and it didn't matter how experienced you were everybody kind of had to do everything yeah people were very different then my grandparents my father my brothers my husband are all much harder individuals and hardier individuals than what I see being turned out on mass today. And I find that fucking disturbing as hell. Well, yeah, my, my, my father, who was a self-confessed nutter, having been <laughs> a nine squadron Royal engineer, uh, parachuting engineers, folks, first people into combat, Mm. Um, <laughs> used to yeah. parachute in storms. That was their preferred entry method. Wait for bad weather, nighttime, parachute in. Perfect. Um, very good cover. Yeah, crazy, exactly. But very good cover. Um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, he used to enjoy when he was out drinking. He could always spot young squaddies, you know, hairstyle, way they're moving. And he used to love freaking them out. <laughs> but yeah, because he'd had. Really intense training, old-fashioned training. Yeah, it's not like that anymore at all. I I'm absolutely floored by that. I mean, I, I just people are not what they were. That's all I'm going to say, Jeannie. You grew up with a military parent. What are your thoughts Several? on this? Several. What are your thoughts on that? The mili- being in the military should not be easy. Mm-hmm. It 
it shouldn't be. Um, I think that part of the reason they put them under all the stresses and stuff is to make them strong enough to stand up to what they most likely have to face in any kind of an incursion. Um, I I don't think they're paid enough. Um, I I don't think they're treated well enough by the by the people that have never walked a mile in their shoes. Um, but young people in the military, the way the the new military is going. Um, I, I think there I think there are a bunch of derogatory things you would call female genitalia. <laughs> I don't think it's that, but I'm going to tell you. I think I, that. It, the last time anybody ever saw America mad was World War II. And that was the last time we really had a winning strategy. Ever since then, we've put people in charge of the military who had these strategic goals and long-term plans that have nothing to do with what you do when it comes to battle, which is you go in and you strike to hurt, you strike to kill, you strike to win. They're not fighting like that anymore and they're not teaching people how to do that anymore well but and but they're not expected either i mean jan you look at after the world trade towers was right destroyed um how many mothers did you see on the television or articles in the newspaper where these mothers going my child only joined to get a free college education and 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 they're in an armed military zone how many fucking times did you see that and, and it was you saw all it a lot. Time. It was oh, sure. all the time. Sure. It's well, like I mean... they joined a fucking army, lady. <laughs> well, I mean that's the thing. It's I had a young guy training. come to work. I had a young guy come to work in my restaurant who is in our version of the military reserve, which okay. in the UK really is. Yeah, yeah. Even our reserves get sent to battlefields. Um, yeah. Because we just don't have a big enough army, as stated before. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, he, he, he was working with me when 9-11 happened. Um, and, and he was sitting there going, Oh, God, I might get sent to a war zone. Like, well, you joined the reserves. What did you think was going to happen? You're not a weekend. You know, I'd give him a right stripping down, because obviously my family up until me and my brother, were all military. So it was like, oh, you wanted to take the money, but you didn't want to, you know, put yourself that's forward. That's, it's like, tough shit. I mean, <laughs> that's really not how it works. And and it's something Jeannie said, like, the last time we did a show, when you come from a military family, it, it affects you. I mean, it's made me very anti-war, actually. Um, seeing how many people come home screwed up um, seeing how many of them are, are, a lot of them are really guilt-ridden, especially now that you've got people doing back-to-back -to -back tours, which was not something that happened so much in, you know, the back my father's to back day. To back, to back, to back. They come home completely screwed up. It's well, wrong. some That's of our troops are completely buggered. Yeah. Uh, we've had units that have been on live service for years. Yep. Because our military's too small. They keep cutting it back, keep cutting it back. It's like, yeah, are, are well, you just going to have a core group that are always fighting? That really doesn't work out too well. <laughs> well, that's how you end up with berserkers, isn't it? Yeah. Did, 
Did I tell you about my my panic over Brussels? I haven't talked to you, Jan. No, go for it. <sighs> my my godson is stationed in Germany, mm-hmm. and he's airborne. And um, he and his wife are adopting a special needs child from Bulgaria. Um, nice. This little boy has has brittle bone syndrome. He's he's adorable. He's he's going to fit into their family really well. But anyway. Um, they, because they're being stationed all over the world, um, they make it a point of taking, they have three children of their own, that they they take train rides and whatever, and they go to all these places and show the kids the culture that they're living in at the time, right. and which, which is phenomenal. Um, but, yeah, so Brussels happened at the train station, and, and, and I'm in a flat fucking panic. And um, I was scared to death for like four hours waiting for he or his wife, um, one of them, to answer me on social media because trying to get a phone call through was absolutely pointless. Right. Absolutely pointless. Um, mm-hmm. And they're okay, but they had been in Brussels just a couple of weeks ago. And I was just in a panic. And it was one of them things where I thought, here he is active duty in the military he's been in the mountains in afghanistan and he's been in iraq and he's been all of these places right and i'm worried about him being on a fucking family weekend well you know um fortunately that's what happens when you have an unstable group of people oh i i really think like i said before i mean I can trace back all of this insane behavior to Wahhabism, and most people don't think about that, let alone talk about it. Um, but th- that's a big problem. And because we wanted oil so freaking bad, you know, Nixon and his ilk promised that we would never interfere with the religion of Saudi Arabia. They've gone and radicalized all these people who are just normal people. They weren't anything like the things that you see now. This is, I can blame that on them, and I can also blame it on the idea of let's, let's fucking drone strike everything. Um, I become more and more anti-war every year, seeing what happens to people, but also seeing the state of the military, because as people, I think there's only certain people that are really right for military service and I don't think a lot of the people coming up through high schools and stuff today, colleges, are are right for military service. Yeah, you shoot at them and they start crying. <laughs> yeah. Or, or, or want to you go to a safe, safe space. <laughs> that safe space stuff is bullshit. You have a... Uh, which reminds me... This is one of the stories I did. Now, by the way, I'm doing the CASA update tonight, so we'll do it when I feel like it. So <laughs> I'm just going to keep fucking talking. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Okay. We've covered one story that Jan has in the show notes, and, and we have derailed all the rest of the Why is it? Were you guys all on task last week when I was sick? Uh, we didn't do a show last week. We couldn't. Uh, yeah, my internet my was produ- broken. Yeah. My producer had no internet, so... I don't do a show when there's no internet. Oh, I could have 
could have called in, but we would have had that wonderful tinny sound that only my computer can make. <laughs> well, good. Now I don't feel half so bad about being sick. Well, these this is mostly last week's show notes. That's why I only briefly talked about Apple. Um, I am really concerned, though, that they've got a third party breaking this encryption. Um, I'm, I'm, I will mention I'm slightly less concerned because the way with the encryption works these days, yeah, they break into that phone and that gives them an idea of how to break into others, but it doesn't let them automatically break into every phone. Unlike what the FBI wanted Apple to do, which was write uh, an, an open version of the operating system to put onto the well, phone. So well, it's not quite the same. It's not as bad. Uh, right. It's, but, it's I mean, basically they're old-fashioned having to hack it. So, yeah. Well, I mean, the FBI suffers from, I guess, what a lot of people suffer from today. Magical thinking syndrome. Thinking that anything can be the way I want it, even if the experts say it can't. Even if the engineers tell me it can't possibly happen, it can happen. Because I live in the land where there are no facts. Yeah. Anyway, um, this was an opinion piece. Uh, First Amendment terror disgust should not prompt quick limits on freedoms. It's by a man called Gene Polinsky. Uh, he's the chief operating officer of the Newseum Institute and the senior vice president of the Institute's First Amendment Center. Apple might become irrelevant for the moment in the FBI's attempts to try to pry data from a terrorist iPhone, but not so the privacy issues raised by the legal collusion involved. A $140 million verdict in the Hulk Hogan sex tape case may be reduced, but not so the warning signals it sends to more than the largely unrestrained world of online gossip mongers, perhaps to all who dish comments critically across the web. And as news of terror attacks in Brussels zapped instantly around the world in our 24-7 interconnected age, controversial political proposals implicating religious liberty and free speech arose even before the smoke had cleared from the targeted airport hall and subway stop. All three events raised new questions about how we use, define, and perhaps limit our core First Amendment rights, religion, speech, press, assembly, and petition in contemporary life. If the government indeed has found a private partner to help crack the security of an iPhone used by the San Bernardino terrorist, Saeed Farouk, this one phone solution still leaves on the table the issues of privacy, compelled speech, levels of encryption, and even journalistic independence and safety that Apple advocates say would be harmed, perhaps fatally damaged by such technological intrusion. Even as FBI officials told the court they may be able to go around Apple, the company announced new phones with stronger protection for stored information. And a recent report in MIT Technology Review said Google is developing a digital safe that would use a tiny memory card to upgrade existing mobile devices with advanced security features such as strongly encrypted storage, messaging, video, and voice calls. Former professional wrestler Hogan, real name Terry Boella, was awarded $115 million last week by a jury in a privacy lawsuit against online gossip and shock news site Gawker. Jurors later piled on $25 million more to punish the irreverent operation. Legal experts have said this one verdict won't likely have immediate impact upon most news operations, which do not feature such videos. 
but it took GOP frontrunner Donald Trump less than a fortnight to add the outcome to his call for weakening defamation laws to make it easier to punish the news media for quote-unquote bad stories. The trial court-level verdict could also embolden other such personal privacy lawsuits by public figures, even when less tawdry conduct is involved. And within hours of the attacks in Brussels, Trump again touted his plan to use religious identity as a basis to keep Muslims, for now, from entering the U.S. And Senator Ted Cruz, that guy, what is wrong with his face? Um, Republican of Texas called for law enforcement to patrol and secure Muslim neighborhoods before they become radicalized. The proposals target religious liberty and the right to freely associate along with other civil liberties, with supporters citing mere suspicion as sufficient justification. Their anger and apprehension have prompted shameful government actions in the U.S. history to limit basic freedoms, from Abraham Lincoln's suppression of habeas corpus and other key rights during the Civil War, political pogroms such as the Red Scare of the 1920s and McCarthyism of the 1950s, to the now repudiated internment of Japanese Americans during World War II. In 1798, just seven years after this nation ratified the Bill of Rights, fears of encouraging a war with France, combined with political payback, resulted in editors being jailed for simply criticizing Congress and the President. The Newseum Institute's annual State of the First Amendment survey has documented twice since 1997, after the 9-11 attacks and the Boston Marathon bombing, when as many as one half of our fellow citizens favored new limits on our personal freedoms. The surveys also found that such emotions faded quickly in ensuring years. Governments taking punitive action solely on the basis of religious identification ought to be repugnant regardless, regardless of rationale using the law to stifle public discussion regarding public figures, even on salacious topics, distorts the marketplace of ideas, particularly now that the web provides such figures with an easy, effective means of countering images and comments they don't like. And while our electronic lives do increasingly play out on our mobile devices and ought not to be an open ebook, neither should we automatically discount the positions of those charged with protecting real lives. Our core freedoms deserve better than to be quickly damaged, discarded, or dissolved as a result of ramped up political rhetoric or because the immediate revulsion we share at terrorist acts by cowards who, in the end, see those very freedoms as their ultimate target. I thought that was a very well-written piece. Yeah. And you've got to look at the bright side. If Trump keeps whipping people up, he might be the target of a terrorist attack. I, I've got to tell you, I am not a Trump fan. Just because a person says what's on their mind doesn't mean they should be president. I should not be any kind of leader at all. Yeah, I don't no, think there no should be a system, no ruler, yeah. no ruler, no crown, no nothing. Um, take away last week. Um, Rand Paul, who I've had a real fucking problem with since he went all pussified and, you know, stopped acting like supporter of freedoms um actually made a speech that said that the federal government should be shut down because they can't be trusted with anything and they can't do anything right and I'm like that that is the first thing he said that i've agreed with in years i was really impressed with it uh the only thing i would add is not until the budget gets balanced not until we can get people to agree not until we set term limits no shut it down or replace it with nothing I mean, we're at the point 
where we all have a phone on us, we could vote on how we want things to turn out and cut out the fucking middlemen who yeah, but do you know, that's... nothing to save Cardas. Go ahead. The thing is, is you're never going to get the even a minority of... <laughs> you, you would never even get 30% of the people in the United States to agree to that. You know why? Because somebody would sit there and say, we can't guarantee your internet service. We can't guarantee the roads will be drivable. We can't guarantee there'll be food in the stores. And everybody go, oh, okay, never mind. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. Oh, never mind. Um, well, no, no, no. I'm just saying, look, yeah, you can't guarantee that the roads will be drivable. Neither can the government. They're not doing anything they say they're going to do. And every time they make promises that things are going to get better, they just keep getting worse. And that's why people love Trump. He says all this stupid shit and he has no plans, but he's going to build a wall and Mexico's going to pay for it. Really? This, this is the well, best we can come up with? I think we have become politically correct to the point that is detrimental to us. Um, it, it is. It is very detrimental to us and it's helping with the with the wussification of this country. Now, that doesn't mean that I think that Donald Trump should be president. Um, don't don't misunderstand me. That's that's not what I'm saying. Um, I'm keeping my views on the fucking lousy choices that we have <laughs> this year private. But because um, I think they all suck. Yeah, I'll say that. That's the only thing I'm going to say about politics right now is I think every available choice we have right now um, fucking sucks. But do I do I think that a lot of Americans are drawn to this guy because he says all of this stuff? Even if it's some deep, dark little secret they have in the back of their mind that they've never said out loud to anybody? Well, this guy, this, this loudmouth is saying this shit out loud and all these people are going, hell yeah, hell yeah. They wouldn't have the balls to say. Um, and I think I think that is very appealing to, to a lot of people, unfortunately. Um, well, I mean, Hitler was appealing to a lot of people, unfortunately. I mean, there you go. If you, if you look at what happens when you go through an economic slowdown and then you go through an economic like, shutdown, let's look at what happened in post-World War I Germany. The amount of reparations, war reparations, placed on the back of the German people closed businesses, made jobs go away, made the quality of life for people there really fucking bad. You know, kind of like America now with the reparations, we were kind of forced to pay for our fucking banking system and our fucking auto industry um, that we didn't want, but Congress forced on our backs anyway. You know, the quality of life has never really gotten back to that level. You know, people are not living better now. They're working harder for less, making do with less. And it's it's cutting into their leisure time. They're not eating as good a quality food. They have no time to sit and think. Um, and all of these things lead to people being really angry. And there's, there's a silent majority of really angry people. Um, this is kind of where what happened in World War II Germany with Hitler um, this kind of led to the idea that uh, we should do everything we can to stimulate the economy so people don't starve, so the people don't turn on the government. kind of comes from all of that. Um, not just turn on the government, but turn on other people. And the problem is, when things get bad, we don't rationalize it to the point that we understand that it's the big business 
government collusion that causes us to lose a good quality of life. We're not angry at those people. We're angry with poor brown people because that's just an easier target. It's wrong. People are not thinking clearly and Trump looks like the great savior because he says that's what he's going to be. I don't know. I see parallels and it scares me. I don't know how other people can't look at this man and see the same thing and not be terrified. Well, yeah, Trump, Trump's trying to be the savior role and people believe what he says. Uh, much like people believe magicians when they say, it's magic. <laughs> That's the I equivalent. I just, Trump terrifies me because of that. I mean, I think we all know a president is a figurehead. They're going to be severely limited as to what they can do. You know, so no matter what this president is promising you, he's an authoritarian. Instead of things getting better for you, things are going to get taken away from you. I don't know. I decided my write-in candidate is going to be Lysander Spooner because I don't even like anybody the libertarians are offering up. Not even Gary Johnson this time. So, yeah. Hey. And I'm look, not... At least, at least your political parties aren't falling to pieces like all the ones in the UK are. <laughs> I mean, well, I mean, it's kind of funny. The Tories actually needed the Lib Dems. That was yeah. what was holding them together. And then as soon as that split happened, I mean, you've got the Chancellor crapping all over the budget that his own, his own person wrote, but then he fucking voted for it. You've got a $3 billion hole in that budget. It's not yeah. even real anymore. It's a joke. It's not real. They can't pass these budgets and pretend these big fucking gaping holes in the center are no problem at all because they're a big problem. Well, government doesn't live within yeah, its means I mean, and it penalizes you. The, the Tory government is one of the biggest jokes in the world, other than Trump. Because, um, yeah, they keep saying how, oh, austerity, we're fixing the deficit and getting rid of all the debt. And they've ramped up more debt in their time in office than all governments in the UK did in the last century. Um, well, <laughs> it like, seems like it's like their ideas are let's punish the sick and the unhealthy and let them die and that'll help solve all of our problems. When, let's be honest, every government self suffers from the same sort of thing. We don't suffer from the welfare we pay out to the, the little guys. We suffer from the tax breaks and the big subsidies that we give to larger businesses. Um, that's what we really suffer from. That's, that's what the people really suffer from because at that point, when you look at it economically, you're not really all in it together, are you? No. <sighs> yeah. There's the 1% and then there's the rest of us. Well, there used to be a middle class, you know, those were the people that, uh, to quote George Carlin, kept the poor people scared shitless and ready to get up and go to work every day. Well, now we're becoming the working poor and it, it kind of isn't scaring people to be poor anymore. It's just making them fucking angry. I mean, we had a president, not a president, I guess a president of the Federal Reserve, who 
at one point said that um, when economic conditions were tight, it was good for the ruling class because it kept the, the poor workers groveling and in their place. This is what these people that you vote for that are in charge, that are in charge of the money, think of you. That's a problem. Yep, and they're, they're so idiotic. They, they haven't looked at history where this sort of thing's happened before. <laughs> it Giant ends badly. rebellions, people getting it killed ends. all over the place. You know, things badly. like the French when... Revolution. And, yeah, <laughs> yeah it, it ends badly when you look at a whole group of people that are paying to support you in your job and you think of them as nothing as other and you have utterly no respect for them and nothing but contempt for them and that's like 90 percent of society that's a terrifying thought and these are the people in charge so i don't fucking like any of them okay oh where was i here um no not the black box phone story uh, NSA spying, we can talk about that all day long. Okay. San Francisco legislators dodge public records requests with self-destructing text messages. You can call it irony or bullshit, but what you can't call it is good government. Okay. Corey Weinberg of The Information reports San Francisco legislators are using one of those infamous tools, O-Terrorism, messaging service Telegram, to dodge open records requests. In an interview, a San Francisco government staff member said they were encouraged to use the app by colleagues in City Hall, who described it as a way to skirt the city's public records laws. That's exactly what it's being used for, the staff member, staff member said. It's caught on. April Burkannon, top aide to Supervisor Jane Kim and a Telegram user, said one reason officials use the app is because it self-destructs. She also praised the app's chat room feature that allows it users to be in touch with each other almost instantaneously. Yes, messaging apps are great for instant communication. Self-destructing messages, however, are antithetical to public records laws. Also, possibly illegal. Verification loves Instachat. Keeping up with her obligations to the public, not so much. She said she didn't know it violated the state or city's public records laws. I should find out, though, she wrote in a message. Unfortunately, those who are on top of public records laws aren't exactly sure either. San Francisco's public records law does not address new forms of electronic communications like encrypted or empirical messaging apps, but it has become an ongoing topic of discussion on the boards of supervisors. Sunshine's Ordinance Task Force says the task force administrator, Victor Young. Presumably these discussions are being preserved. Not that it matters. Most deliberate discussions fall under public records exemptions. Whatever the real reason for using self-destructing messages to conduct governmental business, it's clear that those using Telegram really don't want to discuss their actions. San Francisco Supervisor Aaron Peskin, who has been seen by the information as active on the app, didn't return requests for, requests for comment. One government official said Supervisor Kim also uses Telegram. She didn't return requests for comment. Legislators and government employees aren't allowed to choose which laws to comply with any more than the rest of us, theoretically. Communications between government employees are subject to open records requests, need to be carried out on platforms where they can be searched and archived. This means no use of Telegram, just like it means no setting up your own private email server. 
The irony, of course, is that legislators are currently discussing encrypted communications, including encryption bans, and how law enforcement can no longer obtain communications they used to be able to grab with a warrant. Meanwhile, their own communications are being withheld from public record using encryption and automatic destruction. Perhaps the public needs to start issuing statements about how they used to get all these text messages with public's records requests, but can't anymore thanks to the efforts of government. Yet again, it's down to really badly written laws. Um, In in the UK, as far as I'm aware, when it talks about public records, it says Mm -hmm. all. (laughs) It doesn't specify which types. It says all communications. So any new technology that comes along is still covered by all. <laughs> well, that's that's if you know what all means. Jeannie, yeah. thought, thoughts on that or any no, yes? They're... It's not really shocking. No. <laughs> no. It's kind, of, um, it's kind of what they'll do. You know, we, we, we can't have you being able to get into, we can't, we can't have phones that we can't get into. Well, why? When people use pen and paper, they used to be able to burn that shit. Not exactly a bad idea. Actually, but, I can uh, see. What's good for the goose is good for the gander. If you can't get into my shit, you know, if you don't want me in look, being able to see yours, then you shouldn't be able to see mine. Um. It's it's more of they they want one role for them and one role for us and that's not the same role. Well, and I have a big problem with that. Also, what they're going to do when do. one of these apps gets hacked, and somebody starts storing what they're saying, because that's really easy to do. <laughs> you know, um, all, all I can say is it's not really shocking that it's always been one way for them and one way for us because it's never been about our safety. It's always been about keeping us under their control. Now, just like all these stupid sugar taxes and smoking bans and all this sort of thing, Tobacco 21, all this horseshit, it's never been about your health. It's always been about what they can take from you, what they can grab from you, what they can take away from you and how much control they can put you under. And nothing clears it up more for you than reading actual news. Not, not the, the entertainment news bullshit that passes for news these days, but real news. I mean, you'll get the, you'll get the just really fucking quick, I think. Understand what it's your other. They are the elite ruling class and you are something else which I'm not fond of. But, I mean, you have that sort of thing in the UK just as well, don't you? Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it's it's a universal thing, I think. Well, I mean, the, the Snoopers Charter, yeah. Uh, <sighs> one thing MPs were scrambling about with was, well, that can't include parliamentary stuff. No, 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 no. If you're an MP, no. You can't snoop on us. <laughs> and that, that was well, one she- of the things that's been holding it up. <laughs> was MPs paranoid about the police being able to look into their communications? What they're doing. Yeah, of course, because if you have nothing to hide, you have nothing to fear, right? Mm-hmm. 
I think it's very different if you choose to be what's called a quote unquote public servant. Um, everyone else should be entitled to privacy except those fuckers because we're paying them. And when your boss is the taxpayer, you should be as transparent as a sheet of fucking glass if they so demand it. Yeah, uh, otherwise, as stated, there may be a guillotine waiting. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I find it really, I find it really ugly. Oh, it, Michael Morris, it's not just that. They're doing a lot of screwed up shit. They're doing a lot of, they're, they're punishing a lot of people. Um, I didn't really want to talk about this, but I guess I'm going to. I use this product called Pain Bomb. Pain Bomb, and it has CBD in it. And it's a topical thing. And for, you know, a really long time, I've been able to buy it, no problem. You know, get a jar of it, it's expensive. It's like $65, but it takes away the inflammation and the pain. It's the only thing that really works consistently for me. Other stuff will help. And there's other like herbal remedies and oils and stuff that I do that help. But this topical stuff really has worked well for me. And now, the FDA is harassing the crap out of this woman who makes it, just like they did to us with e-cig imports, um, cutting off her payment processor, seizing product, all that kind of thing, and it's, it's ridiculous. The government has far too much control over our lives and how we live them, and we have not nearly enough. They are not transparent. They are not stoppable, and that is unacceptable. It's unacceptable. <clears throat> Sorry. I um, it took a little weird turn there. Sorry, guys. Okay. <laughs> Didn't mean to. U.S. government pushed tech firms to hand over source code. I'm, st I'm still so upset. I can't even probably think. Okay. The U.S. government has made numerous attempts to obtain source code from tech companies in efforts to find security flaws that could be used for surveillance or investigations. The government has demanded source code in civil cases filed under seal, but also by seeking clandestine rulings authorized under the secretive FISA court. A person with direct knowledge of these demands told ZDNet, we're not naming the person as they relate information that is likely classified. With these hearings held in secret and away from the public's gaze, the person said the tech companies hit by these demands are losing most of the time. When asked, a spokesperson for the Justice Department acknowledged that the department has demanded source code and private encryption keys before. In a recent filing against Apple, the government cited a 2013 case where it won a court order demanding that Lavabit, an encrypted email provider said to have been used by whistleblower Edward Snowden, must turn over its source code and private keys. I remember when Lavabit shut down. The Justice Department used that same filing to imply it would, in a similar effort, demand Apple source code and private keys in its ongoing case in an effort to compel the company's help by unlocking an iPhone used by the San Bernardino shooter. Asked whether the Justice Department would demand source code in the future, the spokesperson declined to comment. It's not uncommon for tech companies to refer to their secret code as the crown jewel of their business. The highly sensitive code can reveal future products and services. Source code can also be used to find security vulnerabilities and weaknesses that government agencies could use to conduct surveillance or collect evidence as part of an ongoing investigation. 
given to a rival or an unauthorized source, the damage can be incalculable. We contacted more than a dozen tech companies in the Fortune 500. Unsurprisingly, none would say on the record if they had ever received a request or demand from the government. Cisco said in an email statement, we have not and will, we will not hand over source code to any customers, especially governments. IBM referred to a 2014 statement saying that the company does not provide software source code or encryption keys to the NSA or any other government agency for the purpose of accessing client data. For the purpose of accessing client data. But it does provide them source code, you just have to read between the lines. A spokesperson confirmed that the statement is still valid, but did not comment further on whether source code had been handed over to a government agency for any other reason. Microsoft, Juniper Networks, and Seagate declined to comment. Well, we've already seen what they've done with Seagate. The NSA has <clears throat> acquired source code from a number of major hard drive makers to quietly install software used to eavesdrop on computers around the world. Dell and EMC did not comment at the time of publication. Lenovo, Micron, Oracle, Texas Instruments, and Western Digital did not respond to requests for comment. If this changes, we will provide updates. Apple software chief Craig Verdighi said in a sworn court declaration this week that the company's latest bid to dismiss the government claims in the San Bernardino case that Apple had released its source code to any government. Um, Apple has also not provided any government with its proprietary iOS source code, wrote Verdighi. While government agencies in various countries, including the United States, perform regulatory reviews of I new iPhone releases, all that Apple provides in those circumstances is an unmodified iPhone device, he said. The declaration was in part to allay fears and the U.S. government claims that it had modified iPhone software to agree to China's security checks, which included turning over source code to its inspectors. But even senior tech executives may not know if their source code or proprietary technology had been turned over to the government, particularly if the order came from the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Court. The secret of Washington, D.C.-based court created in 1979 to oversee the government's surveillance warrants has authorized more than 99% of all surveillance requests. The court has broad sweeping powers to force companies to turn over customer data by clandestine surveillance programs and authorize U.S. intelligence agencies to record an entire country's phone calls, as well as conduct tailored hacking operations on high-value targets. FISA orders are generally served to a company's general counsel or custodian of records within the legal department. Smaller companies that can't afford their own legal departments often outsource their complaints to third-party companies. Those orders are understood to be typical for records or customer data. These orders are so highly classified that simply acknowledging an order's existence is illegal. Even a company's chief executive or members of the board may not be told. Only those who are necessary to execute the order would know and would be subject to the same secrecy provisions. Given that Verdighi heads the division, it would be almost impossible to keep him from the existence of a FISA order demanding the company source code. It would not be the first time the U.S. government has reportedly used proprietary code technology from American companies to further its surveillance efforts. Top secret NSA documents leaked by a whistleblower Edward Snowden reported in German magazine Der Spiegel in late 2013 have suggested some hardware and software makers were compelled to hand over source code to assist government surveillance. The NSA catalogs of implements and software backdoors suggest that some companies, including Dell, Hawaii, Juniper, which was publicly linked to an unauthorized backdoor, 
had their servers and firewall products targeted and attacked through various exploits. Other exploits were able to infiltrate software with hard drives manufactured by Western Digital, Seagate, Maxtor, and Samsung. Last year, antivirus maker and security firm Capraspy later found evidence that the NSA had obtained source code from a number of prominent hard drive makers, a claim the NSA denied, to quietly install software used to eavesdrop on the majority of the world's computers. There is a zero chance that someone could rewrite the hard drive operating system using public information, said one of the researchers. Oh, thoughts? Ah, uh, yes. Well, yet again, I've said this before, but I'll say it again. Modern surveillance guys are just lazy. They want handed <laughs> the methods to obtain data rather than working it out themselves. Um, all the exploits that they've been getting from source code, hackers probably already have, because what hacking groups do is reverse engineer, which is what the government used to do as well. There's a new piece of software or device, you get hold of one or a copy of the software, and you work out how it does things, you reverse engineer it, you produce your own version, then that lets you know how you can fiddle with it. But now they just want, oh, tell us how to do it. That's basically what they're doing. They, they don't want to work with any effort whatsoever. Um, now, I think they I sit there and, they, and they've thought, and they've thought, well, why should we employ people to figure this out when there's a bunch of 15-year-old guys sitting around hopped up on Rockstar that'll do it for us. Yeah. But uh, what I can see, what's happening with um, firmware and operating systems now is, <laughs> and Jeannie's not, uh, John's not going to like this, um, they're becoming more and more autonomous. Um, I'm not in love with that, but go ahead. Yeah. Uh, software's getting smarter. Software is now learning how to block attacks, including any unintended backdoors. Um, you'll see it a lot if, well, if you do a lot of stuff with software, mm -hmm. you'll see a lot of things now refer to heuristics. Right. And that's learning systems. So they're now writing pieces of software operating systems, all that kind of thing, which mm -hmm. learns, and some of them learn how to not be hacked. <laughs> yeah. well, I mean, you know, that's the that. antivirus software, that's what it does. It, yeah. The company gets feedback from all the antivirus running on all the various computers, and the main server figures out the flaws and writes updates that goes out to all the software telling it what to block. So, yeah. But, yeah, so the government's, yeah, the lazy approach, that's not going to keep working for very long. No, it's not. And I guess it's after seven. I do so hate to kill this fun moment we're having, but... I guess it's time to get me for the Kasab date. Okay. Hey. 
Good evening and welcome to the CASA update for the week of 328-2016. My name is Jan Johnson. I am a CASA board member and I know it's been a couple of weeks since we did a CASA update, but um, everybody's traveling and everybody's really busy. So I'm going to do my best to fill in and I'm sure it won't be as good as what Alex does. And I'm really sorry about that. There are two things we haven't put a call to action out for yet. Uh, Highland Park, New Jersey City Council will be considering an ordinance that would require any retailer who sells vapor products to acquire an electronic smoking device license. The annual fee is, wow, $1,200 and will likely lead to convenience stores and other small retailers who might not make a whole lot of money selling e-cigarettes to stop selling vapor products. There is a public hearing and a final vote on the ordinance that will be held Tuesday, April 5th at 7 p.m. at Bordeaux Hall, located at 221 South 5th Avenue. Um, And here is the story link for that for the chat. I'm sorry, I have to put that in chat for people who want to see it. Okay. Um, And the second thing we haven't done a call to action for yet North Dakota tobacco tax hike ballot measure, which would include enacting a tax on vapor products. As far as I know, this is still in the process of actually becoming an item on the ballot. Um, uh, Alex said that he is personally officially tired of reading, quote, liquid nicotine, unquote. Um, this would raise the other tobacco tax from 28 to 56%. That is a really big jump. I'm not a numbers person, so I'm not going to do that number crunching for you, but that's a really big jump. Current call to actions. Vermont, all 250 people in Vermont should send emails and make phone calls. The other 750 people in the state are depending on them um, for, hang on, wow, I I didn't read that as written, probably not a bad thing, Vermont, hang on, Um, I've got to admit, I find it really interesting the way that the call to actions are set up on the CASA website. It's really great. They have a little map you can click on. And um, okay, what was just a few days ago, an amendment to a larger tax bill in Vermont has now become a standalone bill upon being rejected by the House. H879 would subject vapor products to Vermont's 92% wholesale sale tax on other tobacco products. The bill is scheduled for a hearing on Wednesday, March 30th at 8.45 p.m., on the committees on Ways and Means, 115 State Street, Room 34, Montpelier, Vermont. Um, if you don't plan to speak or go, um, please take a moment to send an email to your legislators telling them that this is wrong and it's not doing them any good. It's not really going to help them any. Um, and, and the, uh, the reason it's not going to help them any, I'll get there in a second. <clears throat> um, 
and Kansas. Kansas is the Kansas House just passed SB 63 with a vote of 108 to 17. This bill includes a six month delay in the e-cigarette tax, making the new implementation date January 2017. The bill will now go to the Senate side where it will either be placed in a conference committee or voted on the Senate floor. And um, in the following days and hours, if you want to keep updated, here's a link you can check out because this Facebook group is very, very good. Um, the Kansas Vapors Association is very good about keeping people up to date on what's going on. So check them out on Facebook and, and thanks to them for being so on top of everything. Um, and I was saying about how tobacco taxes are kind of a loser for these governments. Oh. Tobacco taxes, e-cigarette taxes, they're all kind of a loser because they're punitive taxes on people's behavior. Um, that never works out well because most people don't like to be told what to do, but it's also kind of ridiculous when they overestimate the amount of money they're going to make. This is from the Daily Caller. Local lawmakers left red-faced after failure of e-cigarette tax. A county's experiment in e-cigarette taxes has resulted in a massive failure with the amount of money the council expected to raise falling short by 75 to 80%. Maryland's Montgomery Council passed a 30% tax on the wholesale price of e-cigarettes in May 2015. Quote, I'm very proud that Montgomery County is in the forefront of national policy in this area, said the, chief's bill's, the bill's chief sponsor and council member Tom Hucker. The council expected to collect a cool 1.5 million to 2.5 million per year. Hawker made several wild claims in support of the bill on Twitter, arguing not taxing e-cigarettes was the equivalent to subsidizing them and that a tax would provide much needed revenue for schools. But the latest figures on how much revenue the tax is actually raised will be a bitter blow for the bill's supporters. As of February 29th, the tax had raised just $175,720 roughly 80% short of what officials said it would raise. Adults who quit smoking using vapor products are no longer paying cigarette taxes. For those who are reliant on that tax revenue, smokers quitting isn't something to celebrate, said President of the AVA, Gregory Connolly, in a statement to the Daily Caller News Foundation. The county's commission's desire for more tax revenue came together with a lack of drive on the part of the sponsors to actually study the market they were targeting. These combined forces resulted in a revenue estimate that was wildly overestimated. The budget hole created by this tax underperforming will likely leave Montgomery County residents on the hook come tax time. The number of states that considered levying an e-cigarette tax exploded in 2015. The Tax Foundation report released March 22nd showed that as of January 1st, four states, the District of Columbia, and three local jurisdictions have imposed taxes on vapor products. So, I mean, that's pretty much a guaranteed not going to work out the way they hoped it would work out. And it proves to me that they don't understand not only the market, but they don't understand the product itself or how it works or, or people who use it. And they just think, 
tax is a one size fits all thing and that it will solve every problem if they just increase the taxes or raise the smoking age to 21, smoking, vaping, other tobacco product age. It's all kind of a mishmash and it's all kind of not working, but they're reading from the same playbook over and over again. I think, was it George Washington or it was a very famous author, I believe, who said that the, I'm sorry, it's attributed to Albert Einstein. And I, I don't think they, that I can prove that, but it's been said that he said the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. That's what the legislators are doing. So um, thanks to CASA for writing about a billion calls to action this month. So far in February, there have been 17 of them. That's a whole lot. Um, and thanks for all the vapors who support the calls to action, spread the word. Um, without you, we wouldn't exist. So thanks for everything that you do for us. And I think that's it for this week. Have a great night. And we'll talk to you next week with Alex, who I'm sure will do a much better job than I did. Night. Very nice. Okay. Was that <laughs> Not the content, enough? but you know. <laughs> no, the content is never really nice, but. That, that's you know. probably the shortest one yet. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it's it's hard to sex these things up and and make them interesting and intriguing because it's legislation. But, you know, it, it really felt natural to bash the crap out of government because that's just what I do. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. So, yeah. Okay, let me get out of that and go back into the show notes. I'm not even sure what I said I was going to talk about this evening, but I know it wasn't a lot because I figured we were all here together and we haven't been together for a while. Oh, the Snoopers Charter. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to talk about Theresa May. Serve along. Yeah. Uh, you know, she really is starting to resemble a real life Bond villain. It's it's almost freaky. It uh, It should not... She should not, I don't know, she should not be in charge of Secretary of Home Affairs, Theresa May. And she used to look um, kind of less evil and horrific, but uh, not so much anymore. She just, she's starting to look like a villain. She's starting to look like a Bond villain, and I, I don't think it's because of the job she does, although that might just be her natural form, right? She, she's kinda... reverting back to her alien original form that's it yeah i don't know about that but i was gonna say she kind of seems like she wants to be sauron yeah the all, the all seeing eye knowing everything and seeing everything and it's i gotta say the snoopers charter is one of the far more disturbing things to me um only because of the ability that it has to reach its tentacles into every aspect of your life. Wait, wait, wait. Time out. Before yes. you go on, I, I have to thank you for that. For what? You finally put in a reference that I understood. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> <laughs>
What, the Sauron thing? Yes. Or the tentacles? <laughs> Lord of the Rings was a great, great book. Uh, all the books that came after it were great. The Cimmerillion was fucking terrible, and I don't recommend anybody read that. Well, it, it was a collection of notes rather than an actual novel. So, yeah. Right, if you like Cliff Notes, you'll love that. It's it's very hard reading. Okay. The UK government pushes forward with insane supers charter despite widespread concerns. We've written a few times in the past year about the latest UK efforts to enact its snoopers charter law, officially in the investigatory powers bill, which would give the government much greater surveillance capabilities. Right after last year's election, Prime Minister David Cameron and Home Office Secretary Theresa May made it clear that they were going to go full Orwell and do whatever possible to grant themselves greater powers to spy on everyone. As more concerns were raised, we noted that the government pretended to back down while still including all the bad stuff people predicted. As more and more complaints about the bill were raised, we noted May decided to try to rush the bill through, along with a healthy dose of, if you don't do this, we're all going to die, F-U-D. That included releasing a new draft of the bill, which pretended to address the privacy concerns people raised, but which did so basically just by adding the word privacy to a heading and making no substantive changes to protect privacy at all, and possibly changes that made things worse. Rest assured that a lot of people are seriously uncomfortable with all of this. A group of over 200 leading lawyers in the UK have sent a letter slamming the bill. At present, the draft law fails to meet international standards for surveillance powers. It requires significant revisions to do so. First, a law that gives public authorities generalized access to electronic communication contents compromises the essence of the fundamental right to privacy and may be illegal. Well, fuck, America doesn't worry about it. Why should you? The Investigatory Powers Bill does this with its bulk inception warrants and bulk equipment interference warrants. Second, international standards require that the inception authorizations identify a specific target, a person or premises for surveillance. The Investigatory Powers Bill also fails in this standard because it allows targeted inception warrants to apply to groups or persons, organizations, or premises. Third, those who authorize inceptions should be able to verify a reasonable suspicion on the basis of a factual case. The Investigatory Powers Bill does not mention reasonable suspicion or even suspects, and there is no need to demonstrate criminal involvement or a threat to national security. There are international standards found in judgments of the European Court of Justice and the European Court of Human Rights, and in the recent opinion of the UN Special Rapporteur for the Right to Privacy. At present, the bill fails to meet these standards, the law is unfit for purpose. Meanwhile, internet service providers, tech companies, and civil liberties groups have asked the government to delay moving forward with the bill, but it does not appear that May has any interest in doing so. On Tuesday, the House of Commons had its second reading of the bill and debate about it allowed some to raise concerns with various parties deciding to abstain from voting rather than voting against it. The bill moved forward easily. It'll come back to Parliament after the House of Lords goes through the bill. Even worse, the main opposition to the bill was not that strongly raised. Andy Burnham, former Home Officer, Office Minister, stood to offer the Labor Party's official perspective. If there is substantial, substantive opposition to the contents of the IP bill within the Labor Party, and I know there is from MPs like Tom Watson and David Winrick, 
Then there was little evidence of it from Mr. Burnham's contribution to the debate. He opened by trotting out the dire need to combat the four horsemen of the infopocalypse and the false and distorting balance security with privacy dichotomy. From those foundations, he was highly unlikely to get anywhere enlightened. While we're fighting against backdoors and for encryption here in the U.S., it looks like the U.K. government is potentially moving very much in the other direction. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There's not a lot you can say about that apart from, yeah, it's probably not going to work for a start. And second, now you can see connections with other stories, like how the uh, conservative government wants to drop the European Human Rights Bill. This is one of the reasons why it wants to drop it, because, yeah, it it gives you um, freedom of privacy, um, which this bill tries to take away. So, yeah, it's one of the reasons why they don't like the European, certain European laws. You know, it's absolutely amazing to me. And don't get me wrong, yes, there was a terror attack in Brussels, but to be fair, that area where the attack happens happened is not an area unknown for that. It's well known for that sort of thing. And it's because of... It's because of the large number of... And I don't want to say mosques in the area because it doesn't have to do with your religion but it, it has to do with the number of radicalized preachers in the mosques in that area. You know what I mean? And yeah. it's known everywhere in Europe. I mean, it's an open secret. Everybody knows this, like, four-block area in Brussels. You don't walk it. Also, yeah, Brussels is an easy... Well, up until now, um, it was a nice, <laughs> easy target for terrorists. Because... Um, Belgium has never been at the forefront of any hot activity. Hell, in two world wars, they just let armies traipse through the country rather than taking any personal involvement. Um, so they're not really big on being prepared to, well, for anything much really, but that's where they chose to stick the European Parliament. Um I don't know if you saw the stuff, uh, you know, the guy they arrested, uh-huh. the police raids. It was so badly planned and executed. I mean, God, the the initial raid, the guy got away and they caught him later. How can he get away? You have hundreds of policemen, surround the building. Nobody should um, be able to get away. But Boston. No, not the Belgians. No, no, no Boston. Please look at what they did in Boston. They yeah. shut down Boston. They went door to door in Boston. And yeah. the two brothers accused of the Boston bombing got away. Okay? I mean, come on now, really? I mean, they shut down a whole huge city. They bought yeah. in troops. They searched door to door. They did shit that is actually unconstitutional to find these guys. Which, I mean, Justice Antonio Scalia actually said in in times of war, justice falls silent. And that was an actual instance that happened in Boston. And I don't think many of the people who lived there 
were horribly disturbed by that happening. Uh, they wanted people who had done this to be brought to justice. Okay, so it wasn't a horrible, disturbing thing for them, but it was. Um, and yet those people got away even with all that manpower. So that kind of goes to show you that even with all the information they scoop up and they're drowning in it, they're literally drowning in it. They're completely ineffective to do their fucking jobs because they're so reliant on technology. They don't even know how anymore. Well, I was discussing the Belgian police um, yeah. on the raid with a friend and he was like, but British police raid drug dealers and violent criminals with guns all the time and managed to get them first try. And I went, ah, yeah, that's because they're trained to do it. Yeah, um, exactly. when, when British police go after somebody they know potentially might have weapons, the first guy through the door isn't armed. He's wearing heavy body armour and has a big bulletproof shield. There, boy, if the criminals shoot at him, it ain't going to do anything. And right, right behind him are guys with guns. And this is what went wrong, one of the things that went wrong when the Belgians did the raid. The first guy through the door had a machine gun and got shot at. So they had to sort of not advance straight in. They had to sort of pause in the doorway while they decided what to do. <laughs> so have they never even seen an episode of a uh, uh, cops? Because even cops, when they go do the no-knock raids, everybody's like in full gear. Yeah, you know what I mean. The first but the British police through... are odd in the f fact that the point guy is basically just a walking shield. <laughs> you know, but that's actually not a bad idea. No, I mean, it, it's sensible. Yeah, you know, it it does make sense. They, they got the idea, funnily enough, of the British military, who do similar. <laughs> Which also just makes sense. I mean, that's an actual sensible resource allocation of people. Yeah, the point you know, guy is just sense. there to absorb fire. The guys behind him can do the shooting back. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm sure the guy in the front is treated really well. I, oh, yeah. I well, they take turns. Treated like a king. Yeah, yeah, I mean... For, yeah, you would have to be treated pretty well. Um, and I didn't think I was going to do this, but yeah, four-year-old boy recommended for counterterrorism program after saying cooker bomb instead of cucumber. <laughs> Everything is dangerous. Lenoris Gazansky. Um, she's got a blog called Rearrange Parenting. It's really worth a read. A four-year-old boy who mispronounced the words cucumber as cooker bomb so freaked out his preschool teachers that they recommended him for a de-radicalization program. This happened in Britain, where nursery staff clearly couldn't keep a stiff upper lip when faced with the horror that is a preschooler with a pronunciation problem. In their defense, it wasn't just the way the boy garbled the name of the salad staple. He had also drawn a stick figure of a man cutting that vegetable with a giant knife. I wonder they wanted to ship him off to the counterterrorism brigade. That's two counts against the radical little rug rat. As we know very well in America, even the drawing of a weapon can be considered a weapon. Remember the boy with autism who drew a wily e. coyote type of bomb at home and was suspended? 
So we can hardly blame the Brits, whose educators have been instructed to report any and all extremist behaviors to the authorities. But what is more extremist than a boy who draws a stick man, really mostly a stick head, cutting a cucumber? The boy's mother was so upset that she waited months to, to go public about the incident, though it occurred in November, according to the Telegraph. The paper also reports that she engaged in this exchange with the preschool staff. I said, when you look at me, where do I look like a terrorist? She And she, staff member, said, well, did Jimmy Savile look like a pedophile? The mother told the newspaper. So there you have it. If you look and act like a terrorist, naturally you become a suspect. But if you don't look or act like a terrorist, in fact, you look like a kid who's not about to win any awards for art or articulation, naturally you become a suspect too, which means we're all suspects, even preschoolers. And, and I have to comment here. The mother should have immediately come back to the member of staff. Yes, he did. <laughs> yeah, he, he, he was not a, a particularly attractive man. He, yeah, he, yeah. All the loud gold jewellery, jogging suits, uh, misogynistic attitude. Uh, he, he, he was screaming paedophile. Um, Jeannie's laughing. Why are you laughing? I, yeah, um, I've just very said that, and I'm picturing. Oh, you've Aust- never seen Jimmy Savile? No, 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 no. Oh. But by Very's description, I was. You're picturing, picturing Austin uh, Powers? Austin Powers. <laughs> well, I... yeah. <laughs> no. Well, there's characters Austin. in Austin Powers, not Aust- Austin Powers himself. No, yeah, the, I'll have the, to find a I'll have to find a picture sh- just so that the smoking uh, a pancake guy kind of looks more like Jimmy Savile than Austin Powers. Hang on. No, I'm I'm, I'm looking through photo <laughs> archives. It yeah, it's finding one that's not too offensive of Jimmy Savile. That is um, uh, this is one's that... reasonably good. Yes, and yeah, he, did he, Jimmy Savile look like a paedophile? Let's put this in the chat. <laughs> You're going to put that in. It's like, he may not look exactly like a paedophile, but he looks like somebody that you don't want to leave your children with. I wouldn't. Well, he kind of looks like John Lennon's creepy grandfather. Yeah. Now, would you say you'd leave your kids in this guy's charge? <laughs> I mean, no. it's... No? Yeah, and and that's just what he looks like. He had very flamboyant behaviour as well. So, yeah. <laughs> I, ew. That, that man is just... Ew. That's it, yeah, he is. He When you want creepiness, you just have a photo <laughs> of him. And that's not the creepiest one. That's quite a tame I'm, image. I'm sure it's not. And what I was going to say to you is, what is it with tracksuits and... Insanity. I, mean, I don't know. Don't, didn't you have football yeah, announcer da- who went fucking nuts wearing a tracksuit and everybody from the David royal family is really yes. a, Yeah. Something purple, about tracksuits. Purple tracksuits yes. in his case. Yeah. Yeah. Still, I mean, still something mm-hmm. wrong there. Tracksuits, not the, not the best clothing for a good state of mind, apparently. Um, okay, I said I was going to talk about 
um, military spy drones. Okay, and this came from USA Today. See, every once in a while, you know, even a dying squirrel will get its hands on a nut. <clears throat> well, they're just trying Pentagon. to throw you off, Jeannie. They, they have to look competent occasionally just to throw you off. I guess so. Oh, okay. <laughs> the Pentagon has deployed drones to spy over U.S. territory for non-military missions over the past decade. But the flights have been quote-unquote rare and lawful, according to a new report. The report by Pentagon Inspector General, made public under a Freedom of Information Act request, said spy drones on non-military missions have occurred fewer than 20 times between 2006 and 2015 and always in compliance with existing law. The report, which did not provide details on any of the domestic spying missions, said the Pentagon takes the issue of military drones used on American soil very seriously. The Pentagon has publicly posted at least a partial list of drone missions that have been flown in non-military airspace over the United States and explains the use of the aircraft. The site lists nine missions flown between 2011 and 2016, largely to assist with search and rescue, floods, fires, or National Guard exercises. The Inspector General analysis was completed on March 20, 2015, but not released publicly until last Friday. It is said that with advancements in drone technology along with widespread military use overseas, the Pentagon established interim guidance in 2006 governing when and whether the unmanned aircraft could be used domestically. The interim policy allowed spy drones to be used for homeland defense purposes in the U.S. and to assist civil authorities. But the policy said that any use of military drones for civil authorities had to be approved by the Secretary of Defense or someone delegated by the Secretary. The report found that the defense secretaries have never delegated that responsibility. The report quoted a military law review article that said the appetite to use them, spy drones, in the domestic environment to collect airborne imagery continues to grow, as does the congressional and media interest in their deployment. Military units that operate drones told the inspector general they would like more opportunities to fly them on domestic missions, if for no other reason than to give pilots more experience to improve their skills, the report said. Multiple units told us that as forces along the UAS capabilities continue to draw down overseas, opportunities for UAS realistic training and use have decreased, the report said. A request for all cases between 2006 and 2015 in which civil authorities asked the military for use of spy drones produced a list of less than 20 events, the report said. The list included requests granted and denied. The list was not made public in the report, but a few examples were cited, including one case in which an unnamed un un mayor asked the Marine Corps to use drones to find potholes in the mayor's city. The Marines denied the request because obtaining the Defense Secretary's approval to conduct a UAS mission of this type did not make operational sense. Shortly before the Inspector General report was completed a year ago, the Pentagon issued a new policy governing the use of spy drones. It required the Defense Secretary to approve all domestic spy drone operations. It says that unless permitted by law and approved by the Secretary, drones may not conduct surveillance on U.S. persons. It also bans the use of armed drones over the United States for anything other than training and testing. If anybody's curious at all about seeing that report, there you go. So there's a lot of nuts and tracksuits 
Uh, unfortunately, I don't think it's just limited to the UK. Although most of our nuts and tracksuits here um, tend to be music moguls, I think. Well, he was a DJ. Yeah, well, so yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, the the drone report. Well, you know it's bullshit straight away. Oh, of course. Because they released it when they were asked to. Mhm. They never normally exactly. do that. <laughs> no, they hem and haw. They they hand you these big giant bills and go, oh, it's it's gonna cost one point five million dollars to release all the public records requests you want released. Which is that's one of my favorites. Um, oh, and they they really want us to believe that yeah, they're not doing loads of test runs over various targets to train the crews. Of course they really they are. believe we, just... we fall for that one. <laughs> that's not how the no. military works. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. There will be have been drone flights over highly populated areas. To test, make sure the pilot knows how to uh, remain circumspect and the like. Okay, I, I I hate to bring up the U.S. presidential race, but I'm I'm gonna because it's somehow in my fucking head. Um, <laughs> I think Area Fifty One. I mean, I'm pretty sure that we can all agree that that's a military base. Grim Lake. It's a yeah. military. Yeah, Grim Lake. Uh, I, I think we can all agree that everybody talking about the triangle-shaped crafts taking off and landing there, it's probably drone flights. I mean, it's pretty easy to put two and two together. So they've been doing this for years. Well, I've said before, Grim Lake's kind of the... Uh, it's the deliberate misdirection. Um, it's It is not even anywhere near to the top 10 of no. secret sites in the US. Of um, course it's not. Shit, it's, everyone it's, knows it's there. <laughs> well, I mean, it's out in the open, and I think it takes a lot of speculation away from other sites that may be way more secretive and doing way more interesting stuff. Well, the, the far more secure site is White Sands. It's well. fairly publicly known. But you do not want to be somebody without permission trying to get anywhere near that place. <laughs> you will never be yeah. seen again. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. Um, yeah, I, I can't see why you, you know. I mean, it's White Sands, New Mexico. It's the place where they've set up a bunch of nuclear bombs. Why would you want to go there anyway? Yeah, um, that's one reason why they still use it. Because people are not liking the idea of being irradiated. So it's really handy to still have a military base doing research. Because people yeah, naturally well. don't want to go. <laughs> <laughs> so you're saying people have some common sense. Are you sure about that? <laughs> well, not all. Some of the UFO nuts have been caught trying to break in. Uh, I, you know, I don't, uh, I don't get it. I don't. It's fairly obvious that most of the stuff that we don't understand is like advanced military technology. And yes, and some of the I'm scariest not, stuff is in, is it Maryland? That has all the military mm-hmm. bases? Yeah. DARPA and the like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't like, like the newest 
stuff, well, when I say the newest stuff, because it's not the newest stuff, if I'm seeing it coming from DARPA, it's like 15 years old, right? Like, Probably. they're freaking... Hmm? Yeah, it's, it's pretty it's, old. It's out of date if you're seeing it in it's, public seeing, view. Exactly. They're little fucking robo dogs. The ones that were in that horribly creepy Christmas card they sent out this year. <laughs> you know, the ones that the military's going, yeah, you know, the robo dogs are great, but we can't use them in the field because they'll get us killed. Um, that's just one creepy thing. Now, the thing that DARPA's building that they're teaching it to basically stack boxes and put orders and things. That's not really super creepy, but the fact that it has the ability to do some of these things tells me it has ability to do a lot of other things as well. It's just that, you know, they're, they make a shit ton more of money, more money off making like an automated clerk as well as an automated soldier. Well, I mean, I've showed you video of some of the more creepy stuff. Yeah. The the snake. I'm not. I'm not. The snake in love and the, and the little the blocks. Snake. The little blocks one was uh, amusing, yeah. especially for anyone who's watched Stargate. Not so Replicators. Much. I, I, you know, I I think you and I have different definitions of what amusing is, and none of the shit I see DARPA <laughs> doing is amusing. <laughs> Yeah, uh, still Luddite, I guess that hasn't changed. And it's not going to change. Um, so, I don't know. Is there... Gina, did you have anything you wanted to discuss? What did you do for Easter? Uh, we went down to the restaurant that Alexis works at. And they uh -huh. had an Easter buffet. And we had eaten there before, and the chef they used to have sucked horribly. Um, right. Somehow they managed to hire one of the best chefs in the area. I ate so much food, I came home and slept all afternoon. Um, I, I kind of slept. Yeah. I kind of spent the whole day sleeping. Not because I wanted to, but because I, I got some bad news about a friend of mine. Um, yeah, I, I can't really prove it, but I, I think this friend of mine committed suicide by cop. So it was, it was a pretty um, unhappy day before Easter there for me. Um, and then Easter, I just basically slept. I did spend most of the day before Easter cleaning, though, so that was lots of fun. Steaming and scrubbing floors and cleaning. Lots of fun. Barry, did you do anything for Easter? Uh, shared memes. Funny memes about Easter. That was about it. Uh, Schrodinger. St. Schrodinger was a highlight. Yeah. Uh, and that telling people to enjoy their yeah. uh, zombie Jesus day. Yeah. Zombie. I don't think Jesus is a zombie, though. If you look at it scientifically, he's a lich. Well, he comes out of a chocolate rabbit egg as well. So, he I mean, doesn't. crazy. He does not. He does not. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Easter was uh, Easter was basically just a day off. And then I went back to work today, and it was, you know, 
fun and games all over again. Um, so I really hope that everybody had a nice Easter and got to spend, or not even Easter. I hope you had a nice Sunday. If you had Sunday off from work, hopefully you didn't have to work. That was, that would be a good thing. Um, I don't know. And then actually, I guess I'll read this because Margot thought it was the greatest thing she'd ever read. Margot swears this is true. The magical thing eating chocolate does to your brain. In the mid-1970s, psychologist Merrill Elias began tracking the cognitive abilities of more than a thousand people in the state of New York. The goal was fairly specific, to observe the relationship between people's blood pressure and brain performance. And for decades, he did just that, eventually expanding the Marine Syracuse Longitudinal Study, MSLS, to observe other cardiovascular risk factors, including diabetes, obesity, and smoking. There was never an inkling that his research would lead to any sort of discovery about chocolate. And yet, 40 years later, it seems to have done just that. Late in the study, Elias and his team had an idea. Why not ask the participants what they were eating, too? It wasn't unreasonable to wonder what someone ate might add to the discussion. Diets, after all, had been shown to affect the risk factors Elias was already monitoring. Plus, they had this large pool of participants at their disposal. A perfect chance to learn a bit more about the decisions people were making about food. The researchers incorporated a new questionnaire into the sixth wave of their data collection, which spanned the five years between 2001 and 2006. There have been seven waves in all, each conducted in five-year intervals. The questionnaire gathered all sorts of information about the dietary habits of the participants, and the dietary habits of the participants revealed an interesting pattern. We found that people who eat chocolate at least once a week tend to perform better cognitively, said Elias. It's significant. It touches a number of cognitive domains. The findings, chronicled in a new, new study published last month, come largely thanks to the interest of Georgia Crichton, a nutrition researcher at the University of South Australia who led the analysis. Others had previously shown that eating chocolate correlated with various positive health outcomes, but few had explored the treat's effect on brain and behavior, and even fewer had observed the effect of habitual chocolate consumption. This, Crichton knew, was a unique opportunity. Not only was the sample size large, a shade under a thousand people when the new questionnaire was added, but the cognitive data were perhaps the most comprehensive of any study undertaken, the chocolate effect. The first of two analyses, Crichton along with Elias and Ella Alcori, an epidemiologist at Luxembourg Institute of Health, compared the mean scores on various cognitive tests of participants who reported eating chocolate less than once a week and those who reported eating it at least once a week. They found significant positive association between chocolate intake and cognitive performance associations, which held even after adjusting for various variables that might have skewed the results, including age, education, cardiovascular risk factors, and dietary habits. In scientific terms, eating chocolate was significantly associated with superior visual spatial memory and organization, working memory, scanning and tracking, abstract reasoning, and the mini mental state examination. But as Crane explained, these functions transfer to everyday tasks, such as remembering a phone number or your shopping list, or being able to do two things at once, like talking and driving at the same time. In the second analysis, the researchers tested whether chocolate consumption predicted cognitive ability, or if it was actually the other way around, that people with better performing brains tend to gravitate towards chocolate. In order to do this, they zeroed in on a group of more than 300 participants who had taken part in the first four waves of the MSLS, as well as the sixth, which included the dietary questionnaire. 
if better cognitive ability predicted chocolate consumption, there should have been an association between people's cognitive performance prior to answering the questionnaire and their reported chocolate intake, but there wasn't. It's not possible to talk about causality because that's nearly impossible to prove with our design, said Elias, but we can talk about direction. Our study definitely indicates that the direction is not that cognitive ability affects chocolate consumption, but that chocolate consumption affects cognitive ability. What's going on? Why exactly eating chocolate is associated with improved brain function, Crichton can't say with absolute certainty. Nor can Elias, who admits that he expected to observe the opposite effect. The chocolate, given its sugar content, would be correlated with stunted rather than enhanced cognitive abilities, but they may have a few ideas. They know, for instance, that nutrients called cocoflavanols, which are found naturally in cocoa and thus chocolate, seem to have a positive effect on people's brains. In 2014, one concluded, one study, I'm assuming, concluded that eating the nutrient can reduce some measures of age-related cognitive dysfunction. 2011 study, meanwhile, found that cocoflavanols positively influence psychological processes. The suspicion is that eating the nutrient increases flow to the brain, which in turn improves a number of its functions. Chocolate, like both coffee and tea, also has methyl, methyl exanthines, plant-produced compounds that enhance various bodily functions. Hang on a second. I dropped my mouse and it's hard to scroll without it. <clears throat> <laughs> and there know that. Yeah. It's ridiculous when you do it on the air, though. Um, a lot of previous research has shown that there has, or at least could be, immediate cognitive effects from eating chocolate. But rarely, if ever, have researchers been able to observe the impact of habitual chocolate eating on the brain. The takeaway isn't that everyone should rush to stuff their faces with the magical sweet. I think that what we can say is for now that you can eat small amounts of chocolate without guilt if you don't substitute chocolate for a normal, balanced, healthy diet, Elias said. The research, he said, isn't finished yet. There are more questions to ask, more answers to pursue. We didn't look at dark chocolate and lighter chocolate separately, he pointed out. That next study could tell us a lot more about what's going on. We also only looked at people who are eating chocolate never or rarely versus once a week or more than once a week. He added, I'd really love to see what happens when people eat chocolate more often than they reported in our study. So, yeah, Margot thought that was the best thing she had ever read and swears up and down that it's absolutely 100% totally true. Well, well you, you have to understand there's the, the place she comes from in this. And Barry and I both know quite well um, <laughs> Margot's view on chocolate. Um, <laughs> chocolate is the nectar of the gods. Um, Margot... There is a place in Joplin um, that Margot is so heartbroken that is closing. It's called the Candy House. Uh-huh. And and let me tell you about the Candy House. Anytime something seriously fucked up happens to me, Margot takes pity on my poor, evilly cursed soul, and she sends me toffee from the ch- from the Candy House. And I I have never been a toffee person. Um, like score candy bars and the like, that shit is just nasty. This this toffee from from the candy house is like an oh moment. It's really, <laughs> really, really good chocolate. Um, the Proper handmade versus mass produced. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The all handmade chocolates. Um, Margot's favorite thing from there is the things called meltaways. Um, I could you know, take or leave those. 
but the, mm-hmm. the, the coffee from this place is surrounded in their milk chocolate. And, and Jan, I venture to say that had you um, I think we're losing um, Jeannie. That's Jeannie, yeah. Oh, I mean... Last... Oh, yes. It's my weather. Yes. That's okay. We didn't hear any of that, Jeannie. <laughs> That's okay. Yeah, we, we got really up did. to melt aways, and then yeah. you melted away. Um, <laughs> but yeah, yeah so. the the bad news from for, for uh, Margot about the chocolate thing. Um, mm. There is other research that has been done, but yeah, the addition of milk and uh, yeah. sugar disrupts the correct working of the aforementioned cocoa flavanols. So really, if you're going for the whole cognitive effect thing, you've really got you to go just... for dark chocolate that's got very little milk and sugar in it. I actually really like dark chocolate, like 85 to 90% chocolate. I know most people think that's bitter, but I really like it. In fact, um, I made the... I don't know if anybody saw the recipe for the chocolate caramel pie I had on Facebook. Um, probably nobody did, but um, I mean, it, it was pretty freaking delicious. If you want um, it sweeter, you just put a bit of salt in it. Well, I mean, yeah. Not and a lot, just I, a little bit. And I also, like... chocolate, yeah, they've known for a long time makes your brain release happy endorphins so yeah yeah and who who doesn't want to be happy really um this is i'm sticking it in the chat this is the pie I made for the second time it's pretty good dark chocolate salted caramel oreo pie so i made that for easter it's pretty darn tasty um i have to say don't use dark brown sugar when you make the caramel because if no. you use dark brown sugar it makes a very runny caramel it's not that it's bad it's just that it's runny yeah you should um, really use natural cane sugar yeah. which is slightly brown but it's not mm-hmm. fully brown sugar it's not been purified so it stays quite thick yeah. white sugar just... which is what most people use just doesn't taste right No, not so much. Um, so, and I, I guess that's it for this week, unless anybody had anything or. Don't think so. I got nothing. All right. I was going to say, you know, last call, you know, you don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. Go ahead. I, (laughs) you will find this funny, Jan. And they're talking about migraine triggers in chat. And I Mm -hmm. think that's. That's what reminded me, too. Um, chocolate doesn't trigger my migraines, thank God. Um, I I talked about on my show, um, mm-hmm. 
couple weeks ago. I, you know, everybody's having shit fits about diacetyl and they're having shit fits about AP. And I've been really trying to get through people's head that these are not the only two things that, that we needed to be concerned with. So I went on my typical rant. I mean, I have been bitching for five years about the fact that sucralose is the most common thing used to sweeten the e-liquid mm-hmm. and the, the horrors that are this chemical. And it was really funny because, can you still hear me? Yeah. Yes, I can hear you. Okay. I mean, it is very well documented, the issues with sucralose, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, this this has been documented long and loud. And the biggest issues with sucralose come when you heat it above 109 degrees Celsius or something like that. Basically, pretty low temperatures. Mm-hmm. I got a mass of email people telling me how wrong I was and they went to their favorite e-liquid vendor and their vendor says that it's bullshit and there's no truth to that. And I'm like, seriously, people? They're falling into the ant's trap. We will ignore the science because it's inconvenient. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Their their Google foo is non-existent. Um, (laughs) I, I just, I was really surprised. I tend to piss off a lot of people with the with the things that I say on my show, but then again, it's my show. I can say whatever the fuck I want. But what what really floored me was the fact that I was talking about something that there is scientific, much scientific data that supports exactly what I said, and but their their vendors said that that's bullshit, and therefore it's not true. And I was just just absolutely floored um you know you you make sure on this show you vet every story that you read on this show i have to i don't want to spread misinformation yeah well for as much stupid shit as i say Mm -hmm. the the most recent amount of hate mail that i've gotten was on something that i can prove unequivocally prove and that's what I got I got the most people emailing me and telling me and I'm like shit maybe I should tell Kevin can you imagine can you imagine the show that Kevin would have if I would if I told him that all that nice sweet e-liquid that he's vaping by the gallons out of his store is probably really not good for him it's probably as bad for him as the cigarettes were that's how bad sucralose is yeah, but yeah, that was that that yeah my my recent um, swelling of my inbox um, came from something that's a provable fact. I was just I was just like seriously. It was over fact and not my opinion. You know, usually it's my opinions that piss people off. No, not the same. I don't know. I I've got to tell you. Um... There's something kind of wonderful, like the core group that comes and listens to me in chat. I mean, I think you guys all pretty much know who I am personally. Um, You've seen my Facebook page. You you pretty much know me, and that's fine. I'm really happy with that. Um, But there is a real beauty in being completely anonymous otherwise, Um, because I don't get hate mail. 
And uh, even if I did, I would probably tell you that this is my show and this is what I think and that's my opinion and I'm going to express it. If you don't like it, stuff it. Um, I will say, the only thing that ever bothered me, do you remember the story about vocal fry? Jeannie? Where they were bitching about the way women talk with that weird uptick at the end of what they say? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I got so pissed off about that, and it wasn't even sent to me. All I remember being mad about was, like, somebody better never say that to me. I've never really gotten hate mail for this that I know of, and if if you have hate mail to send to me, send it to, what, Kevin, uh, VP Live, Kevin at VP Live. <laughs> send it to I don't give a shit dot com. <laughs> send it to Kevin at... Uh, vplivenetwork.com because he wants to hear from you because he, he opens his own email I'm sure he'll be you know happy to let me know that you don't like me and um, I much like the cartoon Tim the guy who's holding the <laughs> balloons yeah I don't give a fuck either um, I guess well that's it. I have to say I I don't get hate mail um yeah. well that, that's not strictly treat not strictly speaking true i don't know if i get hate mail because very little gets past my email filters <laughs> that i haven't pre-approved so yeah if somebody hates me hate stuff uh it's got to run a gauntlet of about 40 filters before it'll even hit my email um and that's not that's before that's you know it I mean, a lot of stuff that's legit ends up in my junk mail folder. <laughs> so, yeah. I have to read my oh, junk mail uh, every day. That's how good my filters are. That's <laughs> frightening. Um, I do want to say I'm very happy I didn't go see Batman versus Superman Dawn of Justice, any movie that can be described as the showgirls of <laughs> superhero films. I'm glad I haven't seen it. I did go to see 10 Cloverfield Lane and it was very fucking good. It was surprisingly oh, really? did good. Do you understand it? Because my other one of my other friends went and saw it too and she said she did just it doesn't make any sense. It's it's just not possible. So what the fuck is the point? That's um it's a film. Yeah, it's just <laughs> it's just entertainment. Yeah. But it was like, well done and John Goodman was creepy as fuck. I'll oh, tell you did what. Did you Did you watch all the Saw movies? No. Okay. Well, because I have to say, my our oldest daughter loves scary movies. Absolutely okay. loves them. I could go the rest of my life and never see another one. Um, but right. but I have to say, the the Saw movies at the end of the very first one, when the motherfucker got up off the floor, I was done. I'm like, this is just ridiculous. Nobody lays down on the floor that long. This is just ridiculous. And I've never watched another one. So I don't when. Know. When Shay was talking about um, Cloverfield Lane, and she says, "You know, it, it, it just it, it it doesn't make sense." I was it's like, just, "Okay, well, it's just entertainment." Um, it it well, really I is. I got out of a theater during Groundhog Day, so there's that. I I got up. I remember I was. Oh, it was a Lisa Bonet movie. She made it with Mickey Rourke. I was about 14. I got up and I walked out of the theater. Angel Heart. 
That was the only movie I can remember walking out on. Now, I, I when I smoked, I used to, like, the Lord of the Rings, that was time to get up and go out and smoke. <laughs> I, I just couldn't fucking stand it anymore. I was like, fuck it, I don't care. The trees are having a fight. I'm out of here. It's been eight um, hours. I need to have a cigarette. <laughs> yeah. I need to pee. Um, it, it's ridiculous. I thought Cloverfield was actually really well done. I mean... Was it kind of ridiculous? Yeah. But some people who are preppers, Jeannie, still have bomb shelters. It's not that far-fetched. That part of it is not as far-fetched as you think. It's just some of the rest of it was just a little strange. Oh, and I would say about the only horror film I've kind of enjoyed ever. Um, it Follows. It's a good horror film. That's because it's simple. I get. I I don't know. I um, guess horror flicks oh. for the most part, Jan, don't make sense to me because, I mean, you know, Paul's been out of town working constantly. I mean, and that that is part of the we're selling all this fucking shit and we're moving, deal, mm -hmm. is because I I married this man because I like to spend time with him, um, mm -hmm. and you know he gets home late Friday night and and he leaves it to ass crack a fucking dark on Monday mornings, um, right. so but. The other, I don't know, Very, you saw, I posted about it, I, and Very's in a group that I'm in, so he saw it, but I can't, it was recently, in the, in the last couple of weeks, the dog stands yeah. up on the bed, and, and from the tip of his tail to the top of his head, all of his hair stood right up, and he's barking and growling, and I mean, he's like, he's gonna fucking kill something, and he tears off down the stairs, well, well, I did kind of a typical horror movie thing and followed the dog. I hope you grabbed a firearm first. Yes, was fully yes, loaded. I did. Okay, yes, I that's did. smart. I, I immediately grabbed a firearm with a full clip and Paul's flashlight that I got him so he couldn't bitch about how many 18650 batteries I had anymore. Um, you could light up God with this flashlight. <laughs> it, it takes two 18650 batteries, Jan. Uh -huh. it, it's freaking bright um so yeah the the dog and i and the gun and the flashlight went went out the back door so i was kind of horror movie-ish because i followed the dog but it was kind of not horror movie-ish because i made sure i had the brightest light and the biggest gun well i mean that's that's how you don't end up a victim especially yeah. when the cops are as far away from you as they are and as far away from me as i uh they are here and, you know, also living rurally kind of helps with that. Yes, so, I, I live, I live where the state police are 45 minutes away. Oh, uh, I think the local cops are only 15 minutes away. And I only know that because, you know, the neighbors get into these wonderful fights where they're, like, slamming heads into windshields and shit. Yeah, ours are part-time, so that really doesn't, you know. Well, yeah. Um, oh, and, 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 and Jeannie, that's not a very bright flashlight. It only uses two batteries <laughs> you get them now that use up to six and you only get like so, 30 minutes of light so you can imagine how well, bright I, that f is yeah i promise you you do not want this thing pointed at you oh, it's, it's that bright. so Jeannie, have you ever seen let the right one in uh -uh. That is that the original good. or the remake yes the original no the original <laughs> Yes, it's a it's a Swedish 2008 film, really yes. good, really good horror film. 
Um, oh, actually, that's another good horror like, film. Actually, Troll Hunter. Uh, it's a Scandinavian okay. film. Okay. But it's a guy um, about a guy who hunts trolls. Yeah. I, uh, I think I think the strangest, and I don't even know if it was Scandinavian film, but it was um, was a, and I don't know why I wanted to watch it, but it was a film about German gold, and kids, not kids, but like adults going and spending the weekend in a cabin. Why the fuck do they still do that? Bad shit always happens to these people. Cabin Have on the lake. Have not seen Cabin in the, the Woods? Yeah. Yeah, you know, all this shit just happens to people who go spend the weekend in a fucking cabin. Um, but um, they dig up this German gold. Why and did you they... go camping without a gun? Because, uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, you and I, and poor Vary, there's Vary over there in the, in the UK. But, you know, Dino, Dino is afraid of you because... One, you're smarter than him. And two, the sponsor for the show is AmmoSeek.com. And, you know, what I find hysterically funny is Jan and I, either either one of us, um, mm -hmm. are probably about the most well-self-defended people of anybody we know. I watch all these people from Arizona and, and California going, oh, yeah, look at what I got today. And I'm like, yeah, okay. <laughs> You know, Larry, Larry Aeon, Larry puts up posts of tools. And yeah. the minute it goes up, I'm like, I know what that is. And somebody's <laughs> like, what is that, a bag scratcher? Uh, no. No, <laughs> no it is not. not. And I think, how wrong is it? You know, it, there's a lot of men that would be really intimidated by the fact that we know what this stuff is and what it's used for. And we most likely own one. I think Paul you know, and Dan, Paul and Dan are very lucky men. I think so too. I think so too. And I, I think if you if you ask them, they would admit that too. Um, was I going to say about? Oh, I was going to say, say it. Okay, that's it. We're done, and we keep talking. That's okay. We'll just let it roll, because you know <laughs> what? Very, very will tell us when it hits the three-hour cutoff. Um, oh, we still got forty <laughs> minutes. Yeah, so it's not so bad. Besides, we didn't do a show last week. I don't feel bad at all. Well, um, and incidentally, I'll, I'll post the same link I just posted in our chat. To, oh. Yeah. World's brightest LED flashlight. 1,200 yeah. watt. 108 <laughs> lumens? Holy... 108,000 lumens, yes. Lumens. Yeah. yeah. If that's, you want the sun... You you... <laughs> that's what you take when you go vampire hunting. Um... <laughs> Well, oh, then you need the specialist about... LED bulbs like Genie uses in hydroponics so that you get the UV. Um, UV, yeah. <laughs> so I was saying about um, that that movie about the the they dig up the Nazi gold, and then there's all these like um, Nazi zombies that were protecting Ooh, the yeah, gold, yeah. and they were just like eating the people. I forget the name of that. That was ridiculous, but good. Yeah. Um, you couldn't use couldn't carry that son of a bitch <laughs> it's not a flashlight if you can't carry it it kind of is if you can put it on your back i mean you know look at the backpacks we got now for hydration oh we have two of those here bernie and paul each have one yeah my my 
My uh, flashlight is only a little one, single battery. It only does a thousand lumens. Also, yeah, that's enough to blind Paul's... most people. <laughs> yeah, the one of Paul's that that takes the two eighteen six fifties, I think, is like twelve hundred lumens or something. But I mean, it, it's it's really really freaking bright for a flashlight. Really, but that's freaking... good. You can you can light up the yard, and you live somewhere that's kind of it's kind of um, dark. Dark and woodsy, Dark, so that's a good thing. Because, because street lights? What's a street light? You have because... to go miles on the road for a street light. <laughs> if that's not true because there's actually a street light um, in my yard. <laughs> wow. Um, oh, there's a nice so... portable one. Uh, funnily enough, if you like torches, you should go and look at Nightcore because the people who make the battery chargers, uh-huh. that's what they do. They make torches. And 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 here's one Jeannie might like. He uses four 18650s. Oh my god. <laughs> I don't know that that's necessary. I mean, it might be. It's nice and uh, compact. And rescue. 4,000. Yeah, women. but my husband has this love affair with flashlights. He really does. Um, my kids, every year at Christmas, and, and they get so pissed off. Our oldest boy sent me a message before Christmas this year, and and it said, "What does Dad want?" And I don't want to hear a fucking flashlight. <laughs> and, and I sent back, and I'm like, "But he's he's like he's got enough of them. I'm so sick of hearing flashlight." And if my husband doesn't get a flashlight for Christmas, God for I mean, God protect every one of my children because he will bitch about it for months and months and months to come that he didn't get flashlights. All I asked for is flashlight. And they're like, but you've got everyone. He doesn't care if he has multiples of the same flashlight as long as he gets flashlights. Well, there I you swear go, you see. You, Look, Nightcore TM26. That's, that's a future gift for him. Yeah. And then you can have even more batteries. Yeah, yeah I did. I got him more. One this year for Christmas um, that takes eighteen six fifty. Have a cell phone with it. Y'all, y'all are crazy. <laughs> that's just that's that's a lot of flashlight. I mean, don't get me wrong. I understand it. It makes sense for the job your husband does. You know, and it makes Jan, sense for people got more than that. So what's the big deal? I don't know. I just I don't understand. Like. Candle power forums? Have you ever been there? And it's got a <laughs> DNA board. Look at it. It's got a DNA board in it, though. Just look right, at that display. Hey, right. Yes, but have you been to candle power forums? <laughs> it's it's a valid question. There's a reason I'm asking you that, because, you know, you might want to show that website to your husband, although you may never see him again. He's like, I got, I've got him looking at every real estate site there is right now no 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 candle power forums is just flashlight people i know that's, but that's all very strange flashlight but we people. have to find a house to buy oh, yeah. first yeah oh so no, when no, you get no, the no. New i'm not house, sidetracking he, him. so when you get the new house then he can sit around on the candle power forums all he feels like yeah then he can go back to his flashlight <laughs> addiction but until then yeah i need him i need him focused and not on on focusing flashlights i need him focused on <laughs> Let's find a house and get the hell out of here. So, yeah. I mean, how is that going? Are you uh, guys finding anything? Well, well yeah. but yeah, we're finding all kinds of stuff. But I said, we're going to stop looking because by the time we get everything sold, 
um, most of this won't even be on the market. And I really don't want to get my heart set on a house and then be like, oh, man, they sold it. Um, but what's it's really funny is, you know, we kept putting off, off listing the one listing the hunting property with a realtor um, because so-and-so wanted to look at it. Well, so-and-so wanted to go look at it. And then this, and I'm like, ah. Oh. But we've actually had people um, come to us about the property and mm-hmm. people come to us about the car wash and storage and somebody came and inquired about our rental house and we haven't even so much as put up for sale sign up in front of anything so there's yeah. that. that that's good that, that is good so it's it's going it's going well <laughs> wow i mean that's yep we accepted a we accepted an offer on the property so once you know once that is all done um mm-hmm. and i'll have money in hand to actually go buy a house with then then i will schedule a trip down there and we will go and we will find a house but um because i you know i'm not buying anything off the internet um people anybody that buys a house on the internet that you haven't been in you're fucking crazy there's no way <laughs> There's absolutely no way I'm going to spend tens of thousands of dollars on on something um, like a house that I haven't seen with my own two eyeballs. Just not going to happen. Yeah. And, and that you haven't seen the paperwork on is usually a bad idea. Yeah, considering, you, you know... You want to know the person you're talking to actually is yeah. allowed to sell what you're buying. They, they actually yeah. have... Yeah, exactly. Um, and the one house, the guy says, yeah, I sold this to some people from England on eBay and they had all their stuff shipped here and, um, somebody broke in and trashed a place and, and so now they want to sell it. And I'm like, who the fuck buys a house on eBay? Um, people from England? I, I want to know what they were smoking before they click buy this. I, I... I can't imagine buying a house on eBay. Just, These are the yeah. same people who probably bought Xbox boxes. Oh, the box, yeah, not not the yeah actual Xbox itself. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That that was the funniest one. People paying three hundred pounds for a cardboard box. So you know what I found out about Easter though that I thought was kind of neat. There are entire groups of people that spend Easter Sunday watching Darnie Darko. Yeah. I, I had no idea about that. I just thought it was the perfect Easter movie. Because it's I had got a cute seen... Easter rabbit in it. Oh, yeah. He's adorable. <laughs> yeah, it's like out of Stephen King. Um, I don't know. I, I really did you like see the post though. Stephen King put up for Easter? Yes, I put it on my page. That's where everybody else saw it. That's where everybody else grabbed it from. I was like, oh, look at the cute bunny with the little girl. That, that um, that, that there's a whole, se- I think the series is called Childhood Trauma. And there's a whole series of photographs of kids and monsters. And that was one of them. I, re- I remember it from an art exhibit a while ago. Which I didn't I, I post my that- usual Easter one, which is the... The cake Holy somebody shit, did. Barry, this bunny. flashlight is over $300. What the fuck? Did you send me a link to a flashlight that's over, <laughs> over $300? Well, state of the art. 
you've got to admit, <laughs> if if your husband wants a flashlight, no, you know, just no. <laughs> Holy shit! Jeannie, got to ask you a question. How how, how many do do you have a Pravati? Yes. It's a similar sort of thing. I didn't buy it. <laughs> yeah. But you keep saying he keeps getting flashlights as gifts, so he quite often doesn't buy them either. No. <laughs> she's saying she's not buying that for him. Maybe yeah. the kids. Maybe you all you and all the kids could chip in. No. That isn't even an expensive flashlight. No. If you go look at the Sunfire ones, they're really no, scary. No, 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 no. 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 <laughs> just no. I don't think you're helping the situation. She's trying to contain the situation. You're trying to drive the monkey to the airport. <laughs> would I do such a thing? Yes, you I, would. Yes. Yes, you would. <laughs> You are forgetting that you are part of the show with two women that know you a little bit. Yes, you yeah. are. <laughs> See, now, if I wanted a really Help good torch like that, I'd just build it. break out of the fucking zoo it. to drive them to the airport. <laughs> <laughs> You've seen Outbreak, so you get why that's funny. Yes. Yeah. That's one, one of my favorite movies. movies. I love that movie. Yeah, me, me too. Outbreak and then... What was the one? It was released a few years ago. Um, Gwyneth Paltrow was in it. And she died within like the first ten minutes. Um, and I forget the name of it, but it was like basically the whole world got this horrible pandemic. Oh, it was pandemic. That was the name of it. Okay, it was it was good. That was a good film too. I don't know if everybody's seen it, but remember when we talked about Ebola? Yes. Okay, remember remember I gave you that sound clip to play? Fomites? Mm-hmm. Okay, that came from that film where they talked about the average person touches their face a thousand times a day because they can't help it, and that's how people get sick. Yeah, that came from that movie. Great movie. Um, I really factually it. accurate. Go ahead. I yelled at my oldest daughter the other day and her mother, her real mom, um, because <laughs> the the her real mom's boyfriend has been like under the weather. I think this poor guy's got mono. I really do. But okay. they just keep re referring to the poor guy as he's got Ebola again. And I'm like, will you stop freaking saying that? <laughs> it's just stop saying that. And she's like, well, why? And I'm like, because this guy goes all over the place and you, you just, just know, I know way too much about <laughs> Ebola. Now I, I have more knowledge of Ebola than anybody in the world should ever have up to and including the fact that the CDC has a patent on that. And and my daughter and my daughter of all people looks at me and goes, No, they don't. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. <laughs> yes, they do. And you know because I double and triple check everything. Yeah, and she's like, you know, I saw I saw a link to that or something you put on Facebook about it. And she's I just thought you were kidding, so I didn't read it. <laughs> That's right. You know what it is? I think smart people sound crazy to other people. Because the things we say are so insane. Yeah, you are. 
No, I'm not smart people. I hang out with smart people. That's better. Um, let me put it this way. The stuff Edward Snowden talked about and the stuff you hear about coming from like the, the Chaos Computer Club... Um, when they do their gatherings every year and they have like they have a lot of um, the events are videotaped and you can check them out afterwards. A lot of the stuff that those people talk about up until Edward Snowden leaked everything he leaked, everybody thought those people were fucking crazy. And they're not. They're not at all. So, you know, there's that. People think you're crazy until they find out it's the truth, and then they think the world is crazy. And they're right about that. It's the world that's crazy, not not you. Yeah, it is. I agree. On the other hand, yeah, I'm crazy. <laughs> but in very I'm specific not. ways. Yeah. Yes, but they're they're entertaining, so we can excuse it. <laughs> You probably shouldn't. Well, <laughs> I, what am I going to do from here? <laughs> Stop that. <laughs> Let's face it, even if you're here, you wouldn't be able to stop me doing things. So, yeah. Exactly. So, yeah. It's not my but fault we're... I'm creative in interesting ways. <laughs> <laughs> well, it means you're very good at winning an argument, too, and that must be a lot of fun. Oh, no, 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 no. You don't try and win arguments, no. Okay. You make the other person think they've won. <laughs> oh, I've done that. Now you slap yeah, them with sarcasm? No, no, you see, you start with intense opposition, you move on to sarcasm, then switch to irony, and then get all agreeable, and you'll win every single argument. I know. I had a father who I argued with every day for 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> I've had plenty of practice. <laughs> so but the getting reasonable bit at the end, you make concessions that appear to be you giving in, but you're not. <laughs> and it makes them think they've won. That's what... That explains politics. <laughs> Politicians aren't that good at it. I've tried to explain to people on numerous occasions that when when you're when you fall into an argument with somebody that just won't admit that what they think is wrong, mm -hmm. just start agreeing with them, and and it, and they finally this little light goes off in their head. Well, maybe I sound like an idiot if they're agreeing with me. Yeah. <laughs> Well, for anyone who wants to know how to argue, right, you need to work as a restaurant manager for a decade, like I did. And then you end up in many arguments that make no sense, never will make sense, aren't logical, are of no importance, except to the person who's trying to argue with you. Because the argument goes along the lines of, I must have a table for two, because <laughs> even though you, as a restaurant, do not have an open table for two, you still end up having to have the argument with the person about why they should have a table for two. <laughs> um, Jan? Yeah. 
do you sometimes wonder because we're kind of we we lean towards um, being self sufficient that people wonder if we're not seriously fucked up. I think oh, and, I think people. I think okay. People well, think I have to tell you why though, because in here this this post just came up on my phone from one of the the meat rabbit groups that I'm in, and this lady is like, "What the fuck is this?" So she, <laughs> oh god, love. Uh, well, I'd like to know what kind of rabbit it is. Is what she said, and the person says, um. I got no paper about him from my cousin. It's C-U-S-E-N-T. I guess he's a blue-nosed bunny from what W-U-T. My cousin told me from who he buyed it. What the fuck? For. Yeah. Um, so do you have an idiot human translator there for that? Yeah, the only like, way you can understand that, point, that I'd be is... Yeah. If the rabbit was an imaginary friend, but yeah, <laughs> seriously, what the fuck? The real um, question is how somebody who's been interbred for 30 generations has managed to figure out how to post that's the interesting question and obviously they don't have a smartphone because all of them have autocorrect so, I mean, yeah autocorrect that's terrible yeah but Cousent and, and WUT at least form is a word at least that's <laughs> only got two dyslexic letters in it but oh, good lord! I, don't get me wrong; dyslexic people can't really—I mean, they can't be held accountable for that. I, but I mean, swipes usually good. I'm—I'm I'm not giving people that are dyslexic a hard time. I'm just saying, at least, form is a, a word. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not from, but it is a word, and they're very, very close. But C U S E N T cousin in W U T. Um, what? Yeah, yeah. Uh, the failure of present day education at its finest. You 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 reminded she's got me a, of uh, she's got a Bill really Hicks. Long, she's got a really long name with lots of letters in it. Which part yeah. of Bill Hicks is? Is it the one where he tells people they should kill themselves? What? No, no, it's the the. The UFO tour, he mentions. He was asked in a diner, "What are you reading for?" What What are you reading for? Yeah. What? <laughs> <laughs> I actually, I figured it was the one where he was getting heckled. He was getting heckled so bad that he fucking stood up on stage and he lost his goddamn mind. He was screaming, "Oh, Hitler had the right idea. He was just lazy about it." God, someone just take all the people off this planet. And I'm like, okay, Bill has had enough. He's, <laughs> he's not quite as good as one of my uh, ex-flatmates who is of the Jewish persuasion, who one day came out with the immortal line, 
in some ways, I sympathise with Hitler. I don't like my grandparents either. What the fuck? Oh my god! <laughs> he was joking, it must be said. But that's Ew. that was his joke. <laughs> yeah. I love Bill Hicks and I miss him and I miss George Carlin. I, I think yeah. the two of them together would um, would be really helpful right about now. Well, yeah, all the all the proper the comedians that still cover that sort of material, you don't really have any of them in the states anymore. You have to import no. ours, like John well, I mean, Oliver and the like. Well, right. Well, no, I mean, yeah, but we have to import actors too, so that's not a surprise. Um, well, what I was gonna say is, um, Black. Louis Black used to be really good about that, and I think the crazy's gotten so bad for him, I haven't heard from him in a couple of years. That's a shame, because uh, right now would really be that man's time to shine, because he is very funny and very effective and very truthful in all the stuff he talks about, and a very good comedian for these insane political times. Well, and, you know, and I'm not trying to give people a hard time because it's not that my language is exceptional because it's not um i use a lot of slang um i use a lot of sentence enhancers um (laughs) (laughs) but but cousin um really kind of threw me for a loop (laughs) i had to reread it twice to figure out that it was cousin um, and and the bad thing is, is I know I am not grammatically correct right. a lot. But when I read books, I should actually probably be a proofreader for some book publishing company. Because, and the biggest thing that I have noticed with ebooks is how many mistakes there are in them. Yeah, trans transcription errors. Yeah. Well, because I speed read a lot. I mean, I can read a book a day. You know, in all night when my hands hurt and I can't get to sleep and all I just want for my hands to do is calm the fuck down so I can sleep, I read. Mm-hmm. And and I read very fast. And what happens is I will be reading along and I don't know I never learned sight words. Meaning my brain has to read word for word what's there. Mm-hmm. And I'll read through something and my brain will go, wait, whoa, whoa, wait a fucking minute. That didn't make sense. And you go back and read it again. <laughs> no, still didn't make sense. And then I start looking at it word for word and I'm like, oh, that's why that didn't make sense. And once I, I identify the word in there that didn't make sense, then my brain can go, oh, they meant this and keep going. But yeah. Well, I... I hate it when I'm reading a news story and it's like really well done and I can follow it up and I can find all the research I need and I'm going, this writer needed an editor so goddamn bad. I can't tell whether a computer algorithm wrote it or not, but there's really some wrong stuff in here. And you see that a lot, even now with stuff like from Wired, which used to have really good editing. Um, Sometimes I even find it in The Guardian and that makes me crazy, you know? Uh, it's like they're spending a lot less money on the editors, and that's a shame. Because that's something every good writer needs, not just a newspaper reporter. 
and uh, the self-publishers could use a letting a friend um, read their work too. That would be really helpful. <laughs> yeah. Possibly they need somebody oh. to think for them as well. Some of the <laughs> self-publishers. Um. I, I don't know. <laughs> I'm just saying, I, I think, you know, I don't know. I'm, uh, I'm glad I'm not writing anything. Um, but what I was going to say is that um, there's, I believe, a book called The Deliberate Dumbing Down of America that talks about our wonderful educational system. And the person who spells cousin with a T is probably a graduate of that fine system. Yeah, C-U-S-E-N-T. Yeah, I am. Um, I put up a post. Did you see the post I put up on my Facebook wall, bitching about Common Core? No. Oh, God. Yeah, it was just it was a video this this mother put up. She went to talk to her school board, and of course the school board said, you know, time for public comments. We're sorry, you are limited to three minutes. Period. Blah 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 blah. And I'm like, you know, one, it it even when I was on the school board here, it set very wrong with me that when a parent would come to discuss an issue with a school board, number one, nothing ever gets decided at a school board meeting in the state of Pennsylvania, folks. It doesn't. Mm -hmm. if, if you want a solution to your problem, you need to submit your, number one, you got to follow the proper channels. You got to go to the teacher, and if that doesn't happen, then you go to the principal, and if that doesn't happen, then you go to the superintendent, if that doesn't happen, then you go to the school board. There's the, this, there's this whole hoopla. Chain of command. Um, which I think is yeah, it is. It's a chain of command. Um, it's it's a pass the buck until the problem was so long ago that they're like, well, it's over and done with. Yeah. Uh, which I I firmly believe is the case. But um, but so this woman goes in and she's trying to discuss the problem with what the the failures with Common Core are. And somebody said, well, you know, I'm married to an educator. Well, you know, and I'm really glad this person was married to an educator. You have to understand, I have a sister that is a primary education teacher. She teaches fourth grade. She's a phenomenal teacher. Um, I have a sister who was a primary educator who is now a superintendent of a school district in Colorado. Um, um, both of them phenomenal educators. I'm not saying that the problem is with the educators. I am saying the problem is with the state representatives that are making decisions about your children's education when the dumb motherfuckers can't even read the bills that they're passing laws on. That's where I, I think the major breakdown has happened with education. Okay, Common Core um, is, is based on some good principles. Um, the actual solution that they came up with fucking sucks. Well, that's because you let the government do something. Anytime you're going to let the government solve a problem, the solution's going to be a thousand times worse than the original problem. Yes. When you take a child that is in second or third grade and you say, how does eight plus five equal ten? It doesn't. What are you, it fucking doesn't. retarded? No, but... Sorry. No, I, I mean, yeah. that's isn't that what you want to say as, a, as an adult yeah. who can it, do math in their head? You're looking at your child and you're saying... It, doesn't they're going no uh-huh it does no child it does not one two three four five six seven eight and the difference between eight and ten is and the kid goes one two exactly eight plus five does not equal ten but it 
it does via Common Core curriculum, um, which is which yeah. is just fucking stupid. And and we wonder why cash registers at convenience stores and fast have food places and shit on them. now photos show photos of, of dollar bills, five dollar bills, and tens in the denomination of, of change. This is why. You know, how does eight yeah. plus five equal ten? Well I mean, it you're, fucking the does. common the common core maths. Yeah. It was developed. Yeah. Developed is an interesting word there. Um <laughs> from an, a system that was invented in Japan, I think, for mathematics, which works really, really, really well. Unfortunately, then idiots got hold of it um, and developed it and made something that doesn't work. You know, there is nothing wrong with the old-fashioned way of doing something. There really isn't. I mean, come on. I mean, I know yeah, people think there is. It's all about torturing but... children. We, we could just keep the old-fashioned, tortuous method of working out maths. Um, I, I, well, I mean, really yeah, don't get on but... with maths because I've done it up to university level. Well, you know, there's a reason why it's hard. It unlocks your brain. It works the mental muscles. You need to do that. Um. All I'm saying and, and is just, probability yeah. mathematics I mean, drives you insane. Right. Well, no, I agree. I mean, uh, epidemiology math is terrible, too. That that shit is just terrible. Like, there has got to be a better way of doing that. Just, <laughs> that, that math is extraterrestrial, is what it is. Um, but it's not just with Common Core, it's not just that. They want to get rid of history in schools. I don't know about you, but I, I don't think... We're at a time now where we need to take history and throw it completely the fuck out of the baby carriage. I think we need that shit now more than ever. And thank you, Tomas, for that link. I immediately opened up Facebook and shared it. Thank you. Um, you know, I I shared Ten minute another warning, thing, and by the because way, and I've been sharing. Okay, I've been sharing water. a lot of stuff from the Off Grid Survival Guru lately. Not because I think that everybody should be an off-grid survivalist. I'm just saying these people have some down-to-earth values and things that people should really pay attention to. Um, you can have no appreciation of nature unless you have been out in it. Um, you have no appreciation of where, where your food comes from unless you raise some of it. Um, Gardening should be something that every child is taught in elementary school. They, I don't we know about that. I mean, I, think, I, I think wasn't taught it in school. Vegetable patches. Right, but I'm saying you know? I don't think I was ever taught that in school. I, I learned it from living on a fucking farm. Just saying. Uh, we and... always we always had stone soup at the end of the year. Have you ever had that? I, I know what, what it is. Okay, yeah, you would know what it is. Um, yeah. Our science teacher always made stone soup at the at field day at the end of of the school year, and where you know he heated the rocks up and the rocks went into the pot and cooked the food in the mm -hmm. pot, and to show us that you didn't have to have flame under what you were cooking to make to it cook work. It. 
Yeah. I mean, sun and, ovens are a great principle of that, too. But anyway. Yeah, exactly. I want a sun oven all kinds of bad. <laughs> Me, too. Uh, yeah. I want the Russian one. The Russian one is the bomb, by the way. Um, but, you, you know, these are things that kids should know. And we are living in a society right now where, where everybody is focused on having more than their neighbor. And that's what it is. We now have families that both parents are working more than 40 hours a week to pay for their two cars and to pay for their nice house and to pay for their, their kids' online and their kids' Um, all the video game system that their kids have to have because all their buddies have to have them and, you know, and everybody's got it, so we should too, bullshit. Um, mm -hmm. And I think it's kind of funny because I never expected to be one of those people that just wanted to go and have less. There is well, nothing on, on wrong a related with that. note, Jeannie, so when you're buying that camping stuff... I know, I want that too. They've yeah, been around for kind, a while. Kind of cool. They're, I know they they've been around, on, but every time the post comes up, I'm like, damn it, I want one of these. Um, they're working, it's not realistic. I can't imagine it on, does anywhere near what everybody thinks it does, but it'd be kind of cool to have. They're, they're supposedly working on a bigger one meant for, like, houses. Yeah, I'm more worried about um, whatever we find having a stream on it so my husband can convert the generator to hydro. Yeah. Yeah. Or... To, or oh. depending on what kind of land you own, um, heat energy converters. <laughs> I won't go into it. It's very complicated. Yeah, and it's yeah. going to hang up on us. Yeah, it is. Yeah. What I was going to say is this. Um, uh, well, besides good night, thanks for listening, and roll the adverts and the Muppets. Um, if you're interested in the deliberate dumbing down of America, search G. Edward Griffin on YouTube. He has some interesting things to say about the education system. I know, we went backwards, sorry. <laughs> Advert. Advert. Why spend hours searching for in-stock ammunition when you can use AmmoSeek.com? AmmoSeek.com is a search engine for finding ammunition, reloading components, magazines, and guns for more than 300 calibers at more than 60 online retailers. AmmoSeek.com only shows items that are in stock and readily available for shipping. You can search by caliber, grains, manufacturer, and more. The results are displayed by cost per round, so you are able to get the very best pricing on your ammunition of choice. Find ammunition at the best prices, fast. Amoseek.com. Thanks. It was great. Thanks for listening. See you next week.